Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes, he's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of spring Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> yeah, it's me, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast of the left, babe. Go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road. And get that vape, put it in your brain, and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Last podcast on the left, it's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast on the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Military intelligence, I think that's called an oxymoron. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, shots fired, shots fired, and not from a drone. (laughs) Back in the day, OSS guys, these old school guys, they got parachuted in. They'd have like, fucking figure out how to make a Nazi's favorite martini. General, so we're parachuting in, but any idea how to get out? You're going to want to get yourself a suicide pill. Okay. But they get over there, they they start working with all of these, you know, like fucking Cladis sign shit, the, the chasing Nazis everywhere, all this kind of crazy shit, like, you know, getting uh, fucking hardcore action sequences, sure. blowing things up, all these crazy new weapons. I think that's just inglorious yeah. bastards, yeah. but yes. But now the fucking CIA is like, I oh, have Havana syndrome. <laughs> Sound weapons, we're experimenting a lot of different things right now. I got hurt by a microwave. I got to call China and blame China. Oh, I hate it when they make us human hot pockets. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the last podcast oh, on the left. I had too many plantains yesterday. I must have Havana syndrome. We're about, to blow you. we're about to blow you up, Henry. Henry Zabrowski recently coming down with Havana syndrome, but how nice because now you're wearing tropical shorts, you have fun sunglasses on, Honestly, and you are a beach 
loving Polish man. And this is a mild case. It's beautiful. <laughs> and Marcus Parks. Hello. Thanks all so much for joining us. Mm. We have Can a you smell fantastic that, episode today. Freedom. Freedom. I'm rich down. Absolutely. Thanks to everyone who supported us for our uh, stint on Spotify. And now it is so wonderful to be in the general population. We are back on all the platforms that you love to listen to your podcasts on. So please go and you know where to find us now. And now that we're good and more open than ever. What an excellent time to handle the secret history of the United States of America. <laughs> All <laughs> right. This, this topic, man, this is going to unfurl in a magical way. It's a huge topic. We've been waiting years to do it and so excited uh, to uh, learn right along with you all the secret history of MK Ultra. Oh my God, I just realized that we're doing MK Ultra. That's super cool. Right? We finally got here. We did this a long time ago. Very, very beginnings of last podcast and left started with an like one of those weird perfunctory paragraph on Wikipedia style episodes about MK Ultra. That and this is one of those topics that people like me as a young man, kind of like what 9-11 did to the next generation, what JFK did to my generation and the people before that, got Wait, are people you into 70 years old? No, but it's the truth is <laughs> your generation. It was 64. <laughs> These are the, yeah. the entry level conspiracy <laughs> theories that get you like into this world, and it's kind of fun to now like having all this. Look at the experience. Look at the look at no. my Burger Krang shirt. I, I have I love on. that Burger Krang <laughs> shirt. Like, we're ready to tackle it. And this is a fun topic for everyone to uh, begin. Uh, take some acid, yeah. and go down the road with us. MK Ultra was a top secret CIA project that explored psychological, often drug-induced torture and interrogation techniques in the pursuit of a new kind of weapon to use against the Soviet Union in the latter half of the 20th century. This program existed for about half of the Cold War from 1953 until 1973. And it definitely didn't continue in any way, shape, or form <laughs> after that. And how dare you even think or say that, dog meat? I know, I see the mm. twinkle in your eyes. I know what you're uh -huh. about to say, that they're continuing to do yep. human experimentation. Sure. But uh, oh, am I? Am I going to Are you putting that word in my fucking mouth? You, you putting put those words in my fucking mouth? That's what you get. That's right. This is what wow. they wanted. This is what they wanted. They wanted us fighting each other. <laughs> I do think you had a secret phone call with the United States government and last they're night. They're already talking to us. Indeed. They're already, do, on, our, on a stage in Washington, D.C., a person in a mask, I mean it, like a guy Fox mask threw a little pouch onto the stage and I opened it up and it was four challenge coins from the that NSA. That was cool. They're here. Yes, they are. <laughs> the MK Ultra experiments performed sometimes unwilling participants, but mostly on the unwilling or unaware, sometimes showed Nazi levels of clinical evil, either destroying or killing multitudes in the name of pulling a fast one on the Ruskies. We learn from bad teachers. In a nutshell, MKUltra was the espionage wing of chemical warfare, America's clumsy attempt at cracking the code of mind control for a war whose outcome seemingly rested on which country was more clever. You know what? You know for a fact they had to turn away some people who were like, Barry, you've been here three times this week. Yeah, man. I know. Yeah. I know. But the thing is, you're. we actually think you're taking advantage of us. Yeah, I'm just Isn't saying, that bro, that I got this fucking balloon festival. I got to go with my fucking girlfriend, uh -huh. man. And I need to be a Manchurian candidate to that, bro. You haven't made it to any of the events you were supposed to assassinate the queen at. Fuck. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Can we sync up calendars? Shh, dude, you're fired. Now, as far as what the point of MKUltra was, the experiments were supposed to glean techniques that would either elicit confessions from Soviet spies, Ooh. reprogram said spies to become American agents, or both. 
all without leaving any physical evidence that anyone had done anything. It turns out they just made a bunch of comedians. <laughs> I wish. Mm-hmm. They, they, they invented the electric tambourine. Oh, no kidding. Uh, during the 1960s. <laughs> uh, the, the, it is an interesting, another side of this whole experimentation program was also to, for them, to like, listen, we put such a burden, an intellectual and emotional burden on our operatives, right? Like they have to go out there. They have to fucking lie, cheat and steal for the United it's States government. It's not easy to gotta, be Eddie Guerrero for the United States government. You have to go out there. You got to fucking seduce people and, and poison people, do all this kind of shit. And we really want to like, we want to help ease the burden of our agents by erasing their memories. <laughs> and there may be a way to do Sweet. it. This is true. So this is for us. This is for Sweet. you. This is for you to protect you. Awesome. So th- it's very interesting Thank you to for see. fucking with my brain. For me, that's what they wanted. They thought that what they could also do is help stop the problems of information leaks after people were quote unquote done working for the CIA. Because guess what? You're never done working for the CIA. No, you're not. I should know. Yeah. You are really putting this shill thing. You're t- taking this know. to the next level. That's for sure. Or is he? Mm. I mean, the problem is that CIA agents were killing themselves mm-hmm. because they had done really really bad shit. And sometimes they had done things in service of the program that was supposed to wipe their mind. Okay, I'm going to put one of those little dashy stars there over really bad things. Proper things that needed to be done in order to ensure the United States government's reign domestically and globally. Thank you for your service. That's an asterisk is what he's saying. Asterisk. No, it's a star thing. (laughs) But while eliciting confessions and reprogramming spies, while that was the main focus of MKUltra, the objective that was given the least research is the one that gets the most attention. Hmm. That objective was the creation of so-called Manchurian candidates. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Manchurian candidates, as they were named in pop culture, were assassins who had supposedly been programmed to kill through a combination of mind wipes and hypnosis. I really appreciate that you did speak in capital letters. Yeah, is that how you heard it? Programmed to kill. You have to. If if we say that again, because that's TM. That's conspiracy theory trademark. (laughs) Programmed to kill. That's how you speak in capital letters? Yes. Good to know. Once suitably programmed with an assassination mission, Manchurian candidates would be totally unaware of said mission, status, or target until they were activated by a word, phrase, or image. And I'm here to tell you about Ben Kissel's Manchurian Eats, where it's actually Manchurian candidates that drive to McDonald's for you. You're talking about... (laughs) You're talking about being on sleep medication, like sleep eating. I'm talking about getting a whole force of drugged out people that have shitty cars that are going to pick up my food for me. Whoa, finally, MKUltra can be used with Uber. MKUltra and Uber can get together. Oh. Ooh. Uh, actually, and the name, the Manchurian Candidate, actually came from the movie, right? So they said oh, that the they were- began the term. They started yeah, this- as I, Yeah, as I said, like, as they were named in pop culture. They yes. were named by pop culture, yeah. But it- there actually is a real connection to possible human experimentation that was done in the Manchurian area of China. Like, mm. so there is some people like, again, once you go back, double, double, double into the world of conspiracy theory, that some people think that it would that information was fed to Hollywood executives to point yeah. the truth of where the nature of the MK Ultra Manchurian candidate program came from. Well, one thing that's not a conspiracy is human rights abuses across the country yes. and the globe. Yeah. Well, our generation mostly knows it from Zoolander or Naked Mm. Gun, Must Kill the Queen. That's where we know Manchurian candidates from. Reggie Jackson. Fantastic, fantastic acting job by Reggie Jackson. Uh, 
Must kill the queen. But he did it like a robot. <laughs> it was very good. Now, once activated, the assassin would carry out their mission, then have no knowledge of what they'd done or who would put the idea in their head. Whoa. Needless to say, this would have created a powerful weapon for the CIA in terms of both efficiency and the kind of paranoia such a weapon would create. And of course, MKUltra was spearheaded by the CIA in the first place because they believed that the Russians were working on mind control techniques first. It's called vodka. <laughs> and the U.S. government could not afford a mind control gap. Unfortunately, I mean, though, all of the intelligence that they had collected, not a single bit of it pointed towards the Russians having one of these programs hmm. um, in any way, shape Nothing. or form, or the Chinese or the North Koreans or the Japanese at this time period, which they all suspected. And it kind of it's almost like they came up with the idea on their own and then just ran with it. Huh. All right. Well, that's the American <laughs> way. Now, MKUltra is not a conspiracy theory. It is fact, history, policy. Hard it fact. Happened. Hard fact alert. <laughs> <laughs> we know about the hallucinogen-induced psychological torture perpetrated on American prisoners, the mm -hmm. irreversible mind wipes of mental patients, and the mm. foreign POWs who were taken past the limits of human endurance into death. We know about the agents who were murdered to keep this program a secret, the callousness of the agents in charge of it, and the moral price America paid to get the project off the ground. We mm. even know how fucking bonkers the MK Ultra program actually was. Mm -hmm. From Greenwich Village LSD honeypot fuckhouses to mind eraser helmets. And we know that MK Ultra is but a small part of the CIA's Looney Tunes nuttiness. In the 50s and 60s. It's a thing that we like to call asymmetrical warfare, where we come up with a bunch of things that are an alt to bullets. So what they said, decide to do it, like, what if we do it psychically? What if we get mm -hmm. in there and really scramble your brains? But what that does is take us from us. We spent the delta points of American exceptionalism that we earned winning World <laughs> War II on this. And then mm. we became like everybody else. Like oh, that is like one of those things where we uh, we deeply sold out the soul of the uh, American people and mm -hmm. its government. Well, mind eraser helmets, you know, that's just if you're in the NFL, that's called CTE. <laughs> and you're going to want to be very careful out there with the head injuries. The worst part of it all, though, we sold it out for nothing. I mean, we got a bunch of acid. <laughs> True. What about music? Didn't it have True. some positive effect we'll get, on music? We're going to get we're there. We're going to get there, right? Like, there we're was gonna some get cool there. tunes. Yeah, we're going to get there. But, Ben, I'm going to ask you, is the price worth it? Because mm. MK Ultra did not work. Yeah, it might have been worth it. The people in charge of MK Ultra, the Special Operations Division, wasted 20 years, destroyed thousands of mines, and killed dozens of people in pursuit of a possible outcome that was, at best, a guess. <laughs> the human mind Dang. is difficult terrain to know because in yeah. order to look at it, we have to look in our own brains. And our eyeballs are attached to the front of it. Yeah, I don't want to. Succinctly fucking put, Henry. Very succinctly put. <laughs> Thank you. Eyes in the back of your head. Mm -hmm. CIA. Yeah, I mean, the human brain is far too complex for something as simple as wipe and rewrite. And while we still to this day don't know as much about the human psyche as we should, we know far more than they knew back in the 50s. Mm -hmm. Back in the 50s, the best idea they had to treat mental illness is either overly aggressive shock therapy, too much Thorazine, or fuck lobotomies. We did an entire series on the, the concept of trying to fix things physically and the easily. Lobotomy. We did the whole lobotomy series where you could see how all of these things, slowly but surely, as we do last podcast on the left, 
all of our topics will begin to touch <laughs> each other. They really do. Yeah. And the CIA, I mean, back in the day, we were at the point where in the 1950s, if you sneezed wrong, they were like, he's gay. He's gay. Yeah. And it was there was very little social science well, that's the ultimate, or mental science. But that's also why they invented all of these various truth serums, too, was to test to see if their people were gay or communist. They couldn't handle anybody having a good time inside of the CIA. <laughs> Take this pill. We're going to lay out five... Long objects in front of you. Mm. Most of them have balls. Yes, they're dildos. Mm, yes, indeed. You both passed and failed the test. Oh, I forgot to take uh. my pill. God damn it, man. You're a genius. The problem here, however, is that there are still thousands of conspiracy theorists who believe with all of their heart that MKUltra actually did work and still works to this day. Sure. They think that everyone from serial killers to mass shooters to presidential assassins, basically anyone who introduces mass chaos and misery through violence, can't be anything but MKUltra agents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I think that believing in MKUltra's effectiveness is born out of too much respect for the United States government and too much faith in their ability to follow through on any plan beyond bomb them and steal their oil or flood their neighborhood with drugs and make money off the incarceration. It's very simple A to B shit. Hey, we also try to negotiate with the Nazis for a truce, and we also have destabilized many different. Hey, you know, hey, we destabilized many governments. <laughs> what else are we spend that seven hundred billion dollars a year? We on? sprayed a bunch of pilots with syphilis. We've done a lot of things, Marcus. <laughs> That's how Lindsey Graham got his ladybugs. I don't think. I think he earned those the old-fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> to that point, I think it is very disturbing for some Americans to believe that our post-World War II government, the supposed saviors of the world, would waste so many lives and spend so much time on something this fucking stupid. Well, the first, in the yeah. very, very beginning, it didn't seem stupid. But the problem is, is that as soon as they saw that they were getting no results, they continued to go. And right. I think that that's really kind of a, a crime in amongst itself, where they were doing all these human experiments, not getting, not getting what they wanted. Right. And they said, like, why don't we just grind it harder? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we must believe it, because they did do it. And as the Robert Heinlein quote goes, never ascribe to malice that which is adequately explained by incompetence. Woo! My main drive of all of the research that I have done for this episode, obviously it set me back. Um, I've done a lot of good work, a lot of good work with therapists and my family in order to find a way to like back off some of the paranoia all over the like over the last several years, trying sure. to find ways to, to find some a semblance of peace. This is inside you of my chaotic this mind. This is an improved Henry Zabrowski. Yes, I mean I'm I'm on like uh, I'm on how many milligrams of caffeine? I don't oh, know. That's fine. I don't know, but that's I'm, I'm souped up. Sure, yeah. but uh, this has really set me back because as you go through and you read all of these documents, it's really hard to not get into the mindset of everything's an op. All the government does is lie and kill us and they want to the, the idea of like that it's continuing to go is kind of attractive because again it seems like like some people with conspiracy theorists it's kind of like believing in god or like having a thing there like there's a safety it gives, net. It gives some order to the chaos no matter what yeah. somebody's thinking of you right so there's somebody there in control of the whole thing but what this thing really points towards is that i think that in conspiracy theory in general we think that the government is trying actively to kill us when actually i think the real thing is that they don't care if we die yeah. right it's a negligence i was talking about this with eddie last night and he actually said that a, re a really uh, uh important thing to me he's like for the government to be actually killing you they'd have to care about you 
They'd yeah. have to think of you, but it's like they don't. They mostly oh, just you roll you over. You don't think Joe's thinking of me? They want you to work. Mm-hmm. They want you to be in factories. They want you to do that type of shit. They want you to fucking deliver people's food and, and work at the airport and shit, but they don't, they're not yet at the population control thing. Well, that's the corporation class. Yes. Now, we used many sources for this series, but our main guide was a fantastic new book by Stephen Kinzer called Poisoner in Chief, which follows the life of MK Ultra architect Stanley Gottlieb. This fucking guy. Which means life of God, God full of life, life of God. Oh, good. In addition, in today's episode specifically, we used OSS, The Secret History of America's First Central Intelligence Agency by Richard Harris Smith. And we use the granddaddy of them all, 1975's The Search for the Manchurian Candidate by John Marks, which blew the lid off the whole operation. It's wild. I was watching this report from 1979 on American television, the first time anybody had heard the words MKUltra, and it's wild to to imagine this coming out for the first time and and like and shattering people's minds. But they also like showed a kaleidoscope and they were like, this is a this is a scientific reenactment of what you would see on LSD. And you're like, and it's not like that. It's a little bit like that, though, if you shut your eyes, it can be. Mm -hmm. I just love that the backdrop is all plaid and tweed Mm -hmm. and like really fun argyle. 70s were cool. They were great. Now, to understand how the CIA had enough arrogance to believe that they had the right to even attempt something as far-fetched and reckless as MKUltra, we've got to understand the organization that birthed the CIA, and that organization was the OSS. We're sending out the OSS. Oh, wait. Huh? What? The Office of Strategic Services was America's intelligence agency during World War II. This was an organization of wealthy socialites, big businessmen, mad scientists, artists, writers, and of course, military agents who all developed an unhealthy love of spying for its own sake, all in the pursuit of defeating the Nazis. It's hard to not get pulled into the energy of the OSS as you read about it, because it is like, you're like, whoa, fuck yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, shit. Like, they're doing all this stuff. a lot of office work, though, too. There is a lot of office work. But honestly, the OSS got their fucking hands dirty. This is before it became a full just, like, analysts in a room of computers. Like, these are guys killing people. It's like the A-team. Well, the OSS really was the anti-paperwork organization in they the military. Were, like, they were not like, into paperwork. Yeah, by design, it was, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want to do, whenever the fuck we want to do Great. it, and you're going to give us medals for it. That's awesome. What's more reliable than a good old game of telephone um, about international <laughs> affairs? But the thing that actually happened was, is that because it was the elite, they were all chosen to be a part of the OSS, it did create a secret group of a government. They basically created yeah. a secret government within our government because it was a bunch of people as we're going to see time and time again throughout the story there's many different agencies and human beings within this story that all thought they knew what was best for the united states of america and they Mm -hmm. all just ran in a hundred different directions all believing they will eventually be the rightful king of america and people will all give them all of the 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 trust and the power that they feel that they deserve sounds like a great Mm -hmm. way to unravel the american quilt it's what happened yeah Now, the OSS was more or less created five months before the attack on Pearl Harbor, when it became clear to President Franklin D. Roosevelt that we were going to be a part of World War II, whether we liked it or not. He let it happen. (laughs) He let it happen. (laughs) So, for America's first serious excursion into espionage, sabotage, propaganda, and guerrilla warfare, 
FDR chose a man named William Wild Bill Donovan. See, like many in the early American espionage game, Donovan was both upper crust and a war hero. He's like Teddy Roosevelt in that way, where it's rich mm-hmm. boy who loved, who was really excited to go kill people. To this day, William Donovan is still the only person to have earned the Distinguished Service Cross, the Distinguished Service Medal, the National Security oh. Medal, the Medal of Honor, and both a silver and purple heart. And he earned all of those during World War I. You can definitely hear him coming. Oh, not very secret, but um, that's okay. He earned all of that in one mission where he took a tank turret um, in his own butthole and he absorbed <laughs> a bullet <laughs> like, like he's Kirby. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all in one go. That he got every medal. That's incredible. Um, this man, he loved to kill. Uh, he really loved being in the shit. You say love, it's a passion. It's he, just a passion. Yeah. He developed a love of combat. He liked being <laughs> in the mix to the point where, as you'll see <sighs> later on, he kept showing up in all these various war fronts and the United States Army would be like, why are you here? And Wild he's like, Bill? I'm checking up on all all of you and they're like you have mm-hmm. no reason to be here you're a you're a liability like he had to it's be like protected when, it's like when oj simpson shows up to the buffalo bills games sure and you have to go oj <laughs> yeah, like, please, just leave. you were great thank you for your thank you oj why don't we well, put you go. in a private room you that's need your own room. <laughs> let's go back here just, no it's a vip area yeah that's right um, this is a bathroom guys <laughs> Hello, bathroom world. Uh, but <laughs> Wild Bill was a guy that was deeply connected to FDR. He went to school with this. This is the same title, hoity-toity, old-school family connections that I thought the United States of America had left it all behind. We had left the, the we'd left Europe, <laughs> assuming that we wanted to get rid of this caste system that your your name would tell you where you belonged in life, right. like and that you were born into your station and you can't get out of it any way, shape, or form. But America, we decided to change it all with money can make you extra special right like mm-hmm. like that's how you get yeah. your little archduke versions of life here in america you just have a fuck ton of money and while bill that's had, all you have to do i guess uh but you have to get it but while well, bill now <laughs> it used to be a lot different but now it, it is different. like yeah, yeah. It, it changed yeah you, it changed you got to get that you got to get that cash flow while bill was deeply connected to all of these elite families and he got pushed through all of these various things he was you know he kind of like he was a the forrest gump of the american espionage world where he kind of just walked his way through it. FDR hated him because FDR and him were both, they were staunchly different politically. They were on either opposite sides of the spectrum where FDR yeah. was very liberal while Bill was super conservative. But for some reason, he decided he felt that he could control him enough to make him the spy master of America. But this guy was also a Wall Street lawyer, very similar to the Dulles brothers that we'll get into a, in a little bit, where they had a lot of connections into all of this old world European money that they they basically had to go and protect the interests of when they went back over to Europe. And while Bill was like, again, he's just a dude with cash flow that because he already had natural connections in all of these weird different areas of the world, FDR is like, okay, well, you already got the the numbers. You got the Rolodex. You're yeah. in charge of our espionage world. Well, I yeah. always love to trust a guy named Wild Bill. Well, he got that because nothing will go wrong. He now. kept going back into combat. And every yeah. single time he would try to push his boys in World War One, being like, we got to do one more thrust. We got to do this. And they'll be like, that's just because you're too wild, Bill. You're too wild, <laughs> Bill. Now, like the CIA, the OSS mostly operated outside of the United States government with a budget that was both unlimited and unregulated, all in the name of doing whatever they felt was necessary to win the war. Eventually, they would enlist 13,000 agents Woo! to finish the job. 
Yeah. But since the OSS was unregulated and flush with wartime cash, it was rife with corruption, which is the natural state of all large, completely unregulated human institutions. Whoa, 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 buddy, whoa. <laughs> On to the Pentagon. One officer was found with a suitcase containing $200,000 in small bills and no real explanation for where it was supposed to go. Oh, man. Oh, wow. You found my suitcase full of $2 million in, in bills. Oh, that's so fun. I was looking for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's you, awesome. oh this is yours. Oh, well, you know. That's mine. I'm honest. Um, <laughs> pew, pew. Whoa, pew, 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 pew. Oh, no. Another agent simply bought a commercial steamship with government funds just to take him on a covert mission to the Canary Islands. The whole point was to not have any way to tie it back to the top of the organization. So everybody yeah. was kind of free to do whatever they wanted. They got a blank mm -hmm. check. Wow. Yeah. Steamship plan, though, was that was scuttled when they figured out that it was probably not a good idea to deliver an undercover agent on a covert mission by steamship. <laughs> What's the loudest mode of transportation? <laughs> That's great. See, OSS agents were recorded in secret, so no one knew who was OSS and who wasn't. And Donovan further muddled what his organization was up to by actively bucking standard operating procedures. Well, he also do the thing, he would do the thing where he'd ask for standard operating procedures and then they give it to him and then he'd do the opposite of whatever it is that they told him to do, which is very interesting that he was just constantly, he's like, see, you can't even trust me, bro. Well, that's great to know. <laughs> Donovan actually preferred insubordinate officers, saying that he'd rather have a lieutenant with guts enough to obey an order than a colonel too regimented to think and act for himself. As a result, Donovan himself was often insubordinate, and it regularly fucked up operations carried out by other branches of the military. At one point in the war, OSS officers broke into a Japanese embassy in Portugal and stole a code book. We got it. Fuck yes, we got it. Oh, yeah, a code book. Great. It. This is great. Oh, yeah. The OSS thought they'd scored a big win. Yeah, now but we're going to get double extra secret <laughs> yeah, covert money. We're going to really get an good. ice cream machine. I think they have the code for Contra on here <laughs> yeah. for NES. That's, this is up, down, be right, down, up, down, right, left, Something like that. Yeah, pretty good. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, start. See, it's but, right wow, there. ingrained in his brain. MK Ultra works. <laughs> but since the OSS had gone off on their own, they were unaware that naval intelligence had just broken the codes that they'd stolen. Mm. And once the code book was reported missing, the Japanese changed the codes, nullifying an entire code-breaking operation. Oh, so not only had the OSS yeah. wasted their own time, they had also wasted the time of code, naval code-breakers who had worked pretty fucking hard to break those Japanese uh, codes. A Japanese uh, government... Hear me? Can you not change the codes? We worked <laughs> so hard to get these codes, and then you're just gonna change them like that. We just love the old codes so much. They, they were, were it was they were their own poetry. They were beautiful codes. <laughs> I was watching this talk of a guy that wrote some biography about an OSS, some officer, and he was in front of all of these incredibly aged old OSS veterans, and they're all like screaming secrets like MacArthur was gay and, you know <laughs> Church Churchill he, he gave up smoking 25 years before he died you know you're like you know all this we were like okay I bet you they mostly just call people gay yeah sure yeah, yeah. we got him but then um the the speaker was like and you would have and I would have you know I was in the National Archives and a researcher came up to me and he dared say to me the OSS did nothing in World War II. Whoa, what and they're did all they like, say? They're all like shaking, looking, and he's like, um, uh, have you heard of a little thing called a bat bomb? 
<laughs> yes, they did attach Wait. TNT to bats and oh. exploded them. But can, can we think about that for a second? That is funny. That is interesting. It's a bad day to be a bat. It bombed. Yeah, it did, literally. Yeah. Well, Donovan always defended the actions of his officers no matter what and refused to allow any of his men to be punished because Donovan believed that the only way for his men to be effective was if they were allowed to operate in an unsupervised and scattershot manner. Always. I mean, in some ways, he makes a lot of sense because human situations are fluid. They're ever changing. You do have to think on your feet. You have to be very good at improv. So he isn't wrong. This is not a desk job. Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, that's the thing is that this massive military wild card would not have continued operating throughout the war if they didn't sometimes strike gold. And oftentimes they did. Well, it's because we also didn't have an espionage arm. We didn't have one yeah. until they built the this OSS. This is the beginning of it, I guess. Like, huh? Well, because yeah. before this, FDR was talking about how it was so difficult to do all these land invasions because, number one, the polio. He, yeah, he can't jump. <laughs> and then it's very difficult for them to know what we're walking into. Like, we, because yeah. before this, we thought that espionage Ugh. was ungentlemanly, right? Like, we thought that that's not how the you The rules win a of war. war, guerrilla warfare being rude. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know if we thought it was ungentlemanly. It's just that America was very isolationist. Sure, uh, yes. Yeah, and so there was no need for a spy wing if we're not going to be fucking with other countries. Yes. It's because that's the thing. When we came into World War II, we, were still, we still had horses. Like, we had cavalry. All of our shit was from World War I mm-hmm. when World War II broke out. Like, we had to learn on our fucking feet. And the OSS was actually a big part of that. Oh, yes. And we were building our army as we went. We were building our espionage community as we went in one go. And it was really, you'll see how it how it transgresses, but man, you'll see how it like it spreads out. But it is really interesting. I do think about a bunch of horses on a plane and then they all have little. I'd allow them then, to drink uh, because they're just going to die. Yeah, I do think the little <laughs> horses on a plane and they all have parachutes and then they jump off and then they land. I want to say that they did shit like that. Yeah. Huh. I don't think they ever tried parachuting in horses. Why not? Why not? Come we on. got a parachute. And then you land with the horse and you're like, ready to go. You got a head full of government grade LSD. And you're like, oh, listen, listen, on listen. On a steel horse I ride. <laughs> on a pale horse. I mean, the OSS, they were essential to America's invasion of North Africa. That's where we started the war in Europe, yeah, our European yeah, front. That gave yeah. us our first foothold towards invading Italy. They set up agent networks in France to support the invasion at Normandy, and they provided invaluable information on German strength, air defenses, submarine production, and rocket production. Not saying that the OSS is a fucking wonderful organization. I'm just saying credit where credit's due. They did their job. Yeah. However, because OSS officers knew that they could avoid disciplinary action no matter what they did, operational funds often mysteriously disappeared and Mm. just as mysteriously reappeared in the bank accounts of OSS veterans after the war. And I'll just take my bonus. Thank you. That's (laughs) great. Just see the guys showing up like uh, dumb and dumber, just dressed to to the ten. This is as good as money. You're going to want to hold on to that. That's for a tank. See, according to the OSS psychological chief, Dr. Henry Murray, the way the OSS operated was almost tailor-made to attract 
psychopaths. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> they were intrigued by the idea that they could do whatever they wanted without consequence, and they were wow. also intrigued by the fact that they could more often than not be rewarded and praised for acting like a psychopath. I Part think you're of- talking about the overnight shift at Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> or my middle manager at Borders. <laughs> Guys, it's weird to think that, like, in order to work for an organization like this, you have to be good at keeping a secret. And what what are the qualities of someone who's good at keeping a secret? You really have to really believe in some way, shape or form that you are superior to other people. I really do think that there's a a factor here where you think that you can hold the secrets of America inside of you. But then because you are holding this, quote unquote, precious information, you then have a license to do whatever it is that you you do have leverage over those people. Right. Because you have a piece of information they don't. So you're playing with another uh, card in the deck. But the OSS will already create a problem here with how do you hire people whose jobs are to be treacherous and then expect them to not not fuck with the organization that they're working for and not fuck over you and fuck over everybody else and speaking of psychopaths the oss's drive for operational autonomy came most strongly from intelligence operator Alan Dulles, who would eventually become one of the most notorious directors of the CIA. Boo! Uh oh, he's getting a boo! I need a soundboard. <laughs> quack, quack. <laughs> what, what else do you want to hear? <laughs> that's a good that's what she said. Wow. <laughs> I, I, needed, ex- I needed that's what she said button. That would really help the show. I didn't expect it to get that big. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. That's great. Well, Dulles believed that it was not possible for people in Washington, D.C. to understand the on-the-ground oh, yeah. reality of OSS intelligence gathering. Couldn't possibly and, understand I it. mean, they, they... Go on. Well, while that may be true in some cases, it definitely is, Dulles believed that it could only work if Washington, D.C. assumed that it was true in all cases. And say, can you say Washington, D.C. like Tim Curry from Clue? Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. <laughs> Now, a Princeton graduate like Alan Dulles fit right in with the rest of the operational heads of the OSS. Yeah, he's old money. He's deeply connected to the Ivy League system, and he's already got money in, invested in German businesses that were making things for the Nazi war machine. And he had to go in and make sure that they were taken care of uh, during his negotiations, his secret negotiations with the Nazis. Mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan's sons were OSS leaders. Mm-hmm. A Vanderbilt was in charge of the special operations branch. A DuPont directed French espionage, a member of the Standard Oil family ran security in Calcutta, and a member of the Equitable Life Insurance Company headed intelligence in Italy. The only reason why the Rockefellers weren't in the OSS was because they were already in charge of an entire agency all by themselves. The coordinator of inter-American affairs. They just had their own intelligence group. They just just bought guys. They bought G-men. They bought enforcers because then these will all follow the maps of like because the CIA has idea guys. And they've got hard-nosed guys. They got the guys who mm-hmm. do the, their dirty work, and they got the guys who come up with the dirty work plans. And there, it was really easy for a bunch of rich people who have been sitting back and kind of planning what they'd do. 
If they had yeah. all, of I don't this, think it was that. I don't. I don't think they were planning and just like waiting and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But the interesting thing about Dupont, uh, it's also responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths. So when you go and buy your paint, yeah. it might as well just say Lockheed Martin eggshell. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't forget that everything, everything that we're surrounded by, missile is silo in gray. Blood. Oh, this is oh missile silo gray is so beautiful. It goes absolutely perfect with anthrax red, Afghan mm. blood red. Whoa. Now, needless to say, these early connections to the wealthy families of America don't do much to dissuade conspiracy theorists from believing that the CIA is an all-powerful octopus of malice. It certainly don't. <laughs> oh, I don't like that term, but all right. Octopus of malice? Yeah. That's looking sweet. Because I see the cloaca. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to drive it around. Yeah, with a big fucking saddle on it and a fucking whip. Oh, that's the octopus of malice, huh? Wow, nice car. (laughs) But, I mean, really, all this just comes from the fact that President Roosevelt came from a wealthy, old-money New York family. So he appointed people who also came from wealthy families, who in turn appointed more people from wealthy families. It's not calculated conspiracy. It's simple social connection. It sounds like we're building a caste system. <laughs> no, 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 of person to be in charge of these things. They wanted a person who was moneyed of a of an elite class, obviously probably did not have a lot of Jewish connections or any other sort of ethnic persuasion. They were literally, they were all on this top level. And so- Protestant probably, huh? Oh yes. Mostly and, Protestant. And in my mind, a lot of it is, it's like a conspiracy literally is just a group of people meeting in a room straight up. Like that's what a conspiracy is. So in a way, this sort of is a conspiracy, but they didn't view it that way because they've only lived in this little bubble their entire lives. I mean, it would be a conspiracy as much as like middle class people getting together for a homeowners association meeting is, it is. a conspiracy. That is a, you don't think <laughs> that is a conspiracy. You don't think that conspiracies don't happen inside of HOAs? Yeah, never yeah. sign up well, with an HOA. Are you in an HOA? No, absolutely I could not. never do an HOA. No, I'm not signing up for the fucking yeah. the, the Illuminati of Culver <laughs> Avenue. No, remember, that's what Dennis Rader used to do because he was part of an HOA. Exactly. And he would, oh, your lawn's a little too long. And it's like, you're raping everybody in town. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, I would say collaboration does not equal conspiracy. Sure. You could say that. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. 
But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders. I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, famously, the CIA never got along with the FBI. And this competition goes all the way back to the this OSS. Is, this mean girl stuff here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the meanest girl of all, <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover. Yes, indeed. J. Edgar Hoover refused to let the OSS get involved in the FBI's secret operations in South America because the OSS actively hired communists. Can you even believe it? They all share a toothbrush. <laughs> Can you even fucking believe what they do over there? They all share one brown uniform and they all go to shit together. Well, that is horrible. That doesn't seem very clean. Well, the hiring of communists was Wild Bill Donovan's idea. Yeah, because it was. While, because while he hated communists, he hated Nazis even more. And the, this is back in the day when everyone hated Nazis more than anything else. You can hire a bunch the... of communists and the nice thing is you don't have to pay them. <laughs> you just give them, you just teach him about economics. But the, the, this guy, he understood. You misunderstand what... communism, sir. Yes. What? Wow, he's, given, he's gone. He's gone. Um, but the, uh, the thing is, this is a time period when the very few things that happen, one of the few th- times this happens in all history where there's clear cut Good guys and bad guys. 
The yeah. Nazis were like, it was it's such Be a nice careful. softball. They were the bad like, guys. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like the Nazis were bad guys, so it's easy right. to hate the Nazis. The communists, it's something else. This something else was happening during this time period where you'll also see that they were just setting up the next villain. They were super hopeful for a new season two. Oh, baddie. We, we are in a new Cold War, my friend. I don't know if they were super. I think they were super bummed about having another fucking enemy after the I don't whole know. thing happened. You, I think, well, they I took think a that break. The, the people in the military industrial complex were pretty excited about the Cold War. But, you know, people like Ike Eisenhower, who was actually president, said like, we really need to pump the brakes on all this because shit. He's like, I just yeah. got done with the Nazis. <laughs> I just got done yeah. with them. Exactly. And, then, and every- I think that's how most of them were. Like, fuck it. Oh my God, that was so yeah, hard. But don't we? But we were all in proxy wars the entire time. They loved it. But I will, yes, the Cold War... For the way a lot of these guys talk about the Cold War is how a lot of my old buddies talk about college, where yeah. they're just so like, how was such crazy? Oh, no pressure, free. What free times? I mean, once they got into it, they loved it. But I think they liked having a new enemy. But I don't think they actively yearned for a new enemy. It's just when a new enemy came, they were very yes. excited about it. Yes. Sometimes you don't know what you got until it's gone. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> I would love to see all three of us on a clandestine episode. Just what would they? What mission would we even be on? Like get the croissant. From I'm gonna France. give. A, I'm gonna bring a poison <laughs> burger to Vladimir Putin. I'm gonna Ooh. dress in a catering outfit. You dress as a horse. <laughs> Marcus is on the horse. Like oh, this is a great. special Hell gift yeah. for the for the president of Russia. And then you show and like, like moo. Like moo. look at that it's a great moo and horse, huh? <laughs> Burger. Yeah, I tell you, I've always. Oh, that's I, if I were if I were to say I never thought about riding Ben, <laughs> I'd be lying. Wow. That's fantastic. That is that is absolutely wonderful. Just one clap in the back of a large auditorium. No, you can ride me whenever you want, Marcus. Excellent. Don't even worry cool. about it. Thanks, thanks. Yes, indeed. Just don't do it with no hands, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> would insert your penis into my rectum, and then that's why you would be able to hang on. That's you great. get it. <laughs> well, Bill Donovan was quoted as saying that he would put Stalin himself on the OSS payroll if it meant killing Hitler. And he meant it. But shit like that was the sort of thing that J. Edgar Hoover thought was the most dangerous way of thinking you could have. Hoover might have been right about that. I don't know. N- Nazis, we, we had the Nazis. If they did not open up the Western Front, if they did not open the Eastern Front with Russia, they very well would have had Europe. They would have had oh, it. They, they were winning. They they were. It was them versus Europe, and they were winning. Yeah. So oh, they it was a, they were. We got it. Got close. I've had a couple yeah. conversations about it. I know. We've seen some documents that had to go <laughs> up and smoke. Like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Is that what the Up in Smoke tour was all about? Them burning Nazi documents? Yes, it was sponsored Mm -hmm. by Enron. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, once Roosevelt heard of the rift between the FBI and the OSS, he intervened and gave the operation to the FBI. The OSS, however, just didn't give a fuck and interfered in South American operations anyway. Another time, the OSS secretly raided a Spanish embassy in D.C. to photograph code books and other pro-Axis documents. But since this was a domestic operation, Hoover felt that the OSS was stepping on his toes. This was Budweiser. You get the hell out of here. You go out there with your Amstel light. All right, that's what you do. You do the European theater. Okay? And I've actually heard that the European theater is wonderful. And we should all go. European theater is fantastic. 
So Hoover spent wartime resources assigning FBI agents to trail OSS agents. Oh my God, what are we doing, guys? Okay, what are Dude, we doing here, guys? This would continue for years. Oh, God. And anytime the FBI saw the OSS doing anything covert on American soil, the FBI tails would turn on their sirens, causing the OSS to scurry away. Stop it. Stop doing that. Stop it. Oh I see you're spying. I know that you're spying in there. Okay? It's Listen, just, God, my fucking panties are just fucking messing with my balls today. It's just Listen, you just need to uh, stop with the magnifying glasses. It's all of our tax money at work. Yep. Now, even though the OSS took many of their cues from British intelligence, they also operated under the general principle that, quote, in intelligence, the British are just as much the enemy as the Germans. True, true. That was, I was re- policy. I was reading this incredible book called Operation Paperclip by Annie Jacobson, and Mm. they talk about the SIOS, the group that went in to try to investigate the German scientific like steps that they've taken. They they basically found out that Germany was 25 years ahead of us in weapons technology. Mm. And it was this group called the Combined Intelligence Objectives Subcommittee. The CIO. Absolutely. (laughs) it, It was a group of. American, British, communist, like uh, communist scientists that were over there. And not only are they all there trying to scoop each other about information, they're all supposed to be like, we're all here working together. And, you know, they did like trust falls and they all like, you know, Mm -hmm. like hung out with each other. Like, don't worry, this is all one front. Meanwhile, each one of them is investigating the other while they're also trying to get technology scoops that the others don't get and hiding information from each other. And then in the mainstream, it would be known as like trust, but verify that kind of stuff where of course Mm -hmm. but everyone knew what everyone else was doing so in a way it was kind of fair it's weird if everybody's spying and everybody knows that everybody's spying it's like Lance Armstrong who's innocent where everybody's (laughs) fucking juicing everybody's juicing and you're the only and you're the best of the juicers let's give it to Barry Bonds let's Let's say Barry because Lance I think that he did juice just a little bit more Mm -hmm. than most yeah. Any of those well, stupid I'm, ass bracelets that didn't actually go to cancer research. He lost one of his testicles for America. Yeah, but well, that's because he, he spent his entire life bouncing on his balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's exercise. Exercise is it hurt it his nuts. Oh my god, that's how we're all gonna go swollen nuts from being podcasters. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah, dude. Well, I'm already getting. Yeah, right. I'm getting podcaster prox- prostate. It's already <laughs> happening. <laughs> Well, the OSS, they assumed that London Secret Services, they assumed they're not here to defeat the Nazis. They're here for what comes after the war. They're here to expand the British Empire. Hmm, The OSS was just as paranoid as the CIA was. Well, didn't we learn everything that we knew about spycraft from them? Yeah, because the Brits have been doing, they've been doing spycraft since like the 1500s or the 1600s. Like that MI5 should have been going on forever. So we learned so we a lot stole the their system. Like Basically. the OSS yeah. is built off the British system. Mm-hmm. And it's also on, on Netflix, there is a very fun show called Spy, Spycraft, I believe. That's propaganda. Check, yeah, well, it's not propaganda. The weapons are very real. <laughs> That's but what yes, I'm saying. The, I mean, angle, the angle is very pro-US, but we're uh-huh. America. Yeah. That's a fun show. Well, but while the OSS distrusted the Brits, they seemed to distrust America's ability to close out the war even more. Mm. In 1945, Alan Dulles attempted to broker peace with the Nazis through connections Dulles had made in Italy with Italian industrialists and the Catholic Church. The problem was that Alan Dulles hadn't actually run this plan by the president. 
Oh. He thought that okay. him and Wild Bill thought that, hey, because they made this decision. I forget what the actual term was. The, 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 the three of them got I think together. It was opera- I think it was Operation Sunrise. Was yes. They called it. They made a Ooh, decision scary. that while well, FDR basically said we need unconditional surrender from the Nazis. Mm. We need they need to lose, lose. We need to t- strip them of everything. We need to divide up their lands. We need to do all of this shit. We need to fucking show the world that no- we are going to put the heel on Nazis. But Dulles the and Wild they took, Bill, it was none, none, never their lands. Uh, that's for sure. Absolutely. The Liebenstromp. Right. Whoa. And they, um, you know, that's where your summer home was. And then, <laughs> What's wrong uh, with you? The, but the uh, they knew Dulles and Wild Bill were like, okay, we got all like, but this is a little bit more complicated than these so-called world leaders like to say it is. Right. We're going to try to broker peace with the Nazis. Well, even though everyone's saying don't. Don't do it. And so they yeah. started like having lunch with Himmler, mm-hmm. all these people, all the number twos looking out to figure out how do they because all of those guys are just being like, what if we just give you Hitler? Like, we'll give yeah. you Hitler and then you make me new president and then I'll wear even American flag and then we'll do all yeah. the shit. And it was <laughs> it didn't seem to want to work out that way. Yeah, they didn't want to yeah. become Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, Dulles wasn't as clever as he thought he was. The Russians, the Russian intelligence immediately saw what Dulles was doing. They told Stalin, Stalin told Churchill and Roosevelt, and Roosevelt told Dulles to cut it out. And that was that. Cut it out. He did the Dave Cooley (laughs) thing. Cut it out. But these are three non-elected public officials that are completely in the shadows. And they have so much power and the audacity that they were just like, we don't have to run it by the most powerful person in the world. The president of the United States shows you their ego. Well, the president would have still had to like approve it, but I think they were coming. They were going to come to them with like this package and be like, look, Here's how we end the war. Like a spec script. Don't you do it? Seriously, like a spec script. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Spec script for a peace process, a peace plan. Okay. But it's a war between many people who all thought they knew what was best for everybody else. It's the the problem and the fault of people who want power is that they think that they deserve it. Mm Mm-hmm. But while the OSS's behavior on the ground showed all the same flaws that the CIA would later magnify, the OSS were involved in far more than just on-the-ground operations. Mm. As Henry said earlier, there were the action guys, but there were also the idea men. The idea Ooh. guys. And who's worse? Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, the OSS's research and analysis branch was the first concentrated effort on the part of any world power to apply the talents of its academic community to official analysis of foreign affairs. And here's where we get closer to MK Ultra, because we know that Nazi Germany, the the way that they leapfrogged us with military technology is that Hitler pulled all of the top of the top of every science school, and he was like, "You're a Nazi now. You're making weapons for me." And so he did mm-hmm. a full fledged attack on weaponry, and mm-hmm. we we weren't there yet, but our eventually our manufacturing prowess would catch us up, which is why it's so important yeah. to get all of those production materials if you're playing Civ, especially if you're doing a uh-huh. domination victory. It's really right. Because you can go science victory, but really only if you're India, science domination victory because you're playing the long game. But the most part, if you want to do an early run up, uh-huh. you want to get some cities like you want to attack and get some cities that someone else built instead of you building your own. You got really got to up the production. All right. Well, that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> For no, it's exactly like real war. You can yep. do it in your yeah. sandals from the comforts of your home. <laughs> it's perfect. 
Now, the OSS's first forays into the psychology of the enemy were quite clumsy. One operation was based on the idea that the Nazi state would disintegrate if Hitler was demoralized. And that's not the worst assumption. Hitler's the figurehead. He gets demoralized. Everything falls down. Yeah, but I also kind of think that was his superpower because I can see him getting his ball stomped and getting like dookie all over that's his a, face. And yeah. then he's just like, I feel stronger now than I'm ever. Stronger. <laughs> I'm stronger than ever. Stronger than ever. But in practice, the OSS tried to demoralize Hitler by airdropping piles and piles of filthy German pornography. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This is It's really weird. Like, they really, this actually still goes on in the psyops of the U.S. Army because they play like Taliban bloopers and shit on radio stations. We hear people go like, oh, like people act like Taliban dudes accidentally blowing themselves up in order to make mm -hmm. you th think that they're not as dangerous as they are to inspire you to attack them. I wonder what some of those porno mags were. Milfers, for sure. Oh, it's German. Yeah. Oh, Dookie yeah. boys. Uh, oh, you got the shot. You got Team Shiza. Team Shiza. Um, they're out there. Mm -hmm. Yep, little yeah. butt, big butt, small boob, big mouth. Weird one. <laughs> big mouth, small tip. Yeah, that's a strange yeah. one. I mean, the logic is unclear on this one. I can't yeah. quite figure it out. I mean, I guess they thought that if Hitler saw German Fraus in compromising positions, he'd lose faith in the whole thing and the Third Reich would just fall apart. <laughs> I don't I, think so. I don't know. I don't know what their logic is. Okay. Did you read about the thing where they would drop off leaflets saying that it was like the Lonely Women's League? Like this thing that they would, they would paper the German people with this concept of in these, these, apparently these incendiary articles that would say that German wives while the boys are out fighting are <gasps> cheating on them at home and they form these organizations. Uh -oh. And so it's about demoralizing them from the inside out. Wow. Yeah. They'd also, they did some really subtle things too, like where they would have spies put up signs in cold bathrooms uh, and they would say, make Hitler cold and we will make the bathroom warm again. Interesting. Which I think is, actually, I think it's such, because it's, you know, really like creature comforts. That's what people go for. And who want, who likes to shit in a freezing cold room? Nobody. So they use the same tactics as a New York City super? Yeah, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> it's also, yeah. isn't it just, isn't it just an extension or aren't we now just in an extension of that with the memoir? Right? It's all just a series of memes they Think dropped, and then people shit. are like, oh, okay. The CIA used to use dangerous shit. Now they're fucking doing Pepe the meme Frog is. memes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all of a meme is a unit of information. That's the, the definition of the word meme. So, yeah, memes have always been a useful means of propaganda. TikTok is a psyop. Facebook, per, yeah. a psyop perhaps as well. Mm -hmm. Instagram, they're all psyops. Who knows? They really can be it used was, as a psyop. I've been set back. Oh, it was. Facebook was a thousand percent co-opted as a psyop. Well, these immediately. Yeah. In fact, I would say I would say Facebook is the most successful psyop in human history. Yeah, they decentralized Central America more than we want. We've been trying so hard, so hard, and they just did it <laughs> with a couple of like buttons. Well, from there, while Bill Donovan got into the same game that Germany had been playing before and during World War II, mm. better living through chemistry. Cool. <laughs> Now, Donovan asked his scientists to develop a speech-inducing drug for use in intelligence operations, insisting that the need for such a weapon was so acute as to warrant any attempt to find it. What I need for you to do is the invent the Bud Light. Yeah. Something that will make someone go up and do two to three minutes of rape material in an open mic somewhere in Long Island City. Something that dares inspires a man in a stinky hoodie to go up there and talk about how bad his dick smells. Yes, indeed. Unfortunately, we have not been able to crack the Bud Light code, but we ha do have Operation Takati. Oh, Whoa! no! 
<laughs> that makes us extra bad at comedy. <laughs> now, the committee soon got to work researching alcohol, barbiturates, caffeine, peyote, and the anti-nausea drug scopolamine. Because scopolamine is also the zombie drug. It's the thing that they can blow in your face and they say it can control oh, you. But it also scary, keeps dude. you from getting motion sickness. Weird. Yeah. I, I mean, guess it's just so. like Dram- Dramamine also is like, high- I-, I took Dramamine once and I was knocked out for like six hours. Really? Do you get highly suggestible on Dramamine? Didn't they also say the same I thing about know. Tylenol? Like, isn't acetaminophen technically make you no, more it's suggestible? Not, it's not that, it's not that it's, it makes you more suggestible. It makes you, it makes more, you uh, more, it makes you less impul- risk adverse. Uh, yeah, impulsive. it makes you more impulsive. Yeah, it makes you more yeah, impulsive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But... These people found that the most effective drug for inducing speech, or at least the most effective among the first ones they tried, mm-hmm. was marijuana. Marijuana. Ooh. Yeah, dude. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it does tend to make somebody pretty chatty. I guess chatty. so. It also yeah. makes me kind of locked in my own brain sometimes, but I guess yeah. it depends on the strain. It really does. Well, it, because, yeah, into couch really does it to me. Yeah. So the committee made an odorless, colorless, tasteless, highly potent weed tincture. Oh. And that tincture became the OSS's truth drug. That's what I did during dry January. You, and you honestly, you spoke a lot of truths. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you revealed your secret song for the audition that you did for the, oh, for the school toast. musical. Yeah. Ben, when you had the ability to speak, you did speak some truths. <laughs> some big truths. That's it. That's all you can ask for. <laughs> now, since this tincture was undetectable, agents could eject it into any kind of food without the subject being any the wiser. But since it needed to be tested, and since the OSS still had a couple of scruples, OSS operatives would test it on each other. Get that it. must have been a fun dinner. <laughs> yeah, they dosed their coworkers through candy, salad dressing. Mashed potatoes was a big one Ooh. to put in the mashed taters. Yeah, man, we really have come far because this is just something you can get from the most beautiful woman in Santa Barbara right now. Yes, like, you remember? Like, I'm over. <laughs> you can have, we'll have weed dinner. Bring your friends. Like this is something that we paid good money to have happen to us. But dude, this is not friendly tincture you even using the word no. tincture so is, what, what's the like, difference between the thc strains that they're using here and the ones we have the now? original dosages of it used to make people vomit mm. like it's that much thc you would go into catatonia like they would like full body sweats, seizures like they first were like we think we might be giving these guys too much and then they started <laughs> to realize like oh it needs other ways to do it and finally they got to smoking it Mm. It seems to be the most effective. Wait, they finally, yeah. yes. they finally got to fucking smoking <laughs> it. If you want another reminder of how stupid these people are. It came from guys that they knew within the jazz scene. Because the jazz yeah. scene, they, they they had operatives. Because the, the thing, too, about all of these guys, right, is that it's all, it's all you need guys from all walks of life. You need people that have all these different hands in all these different worlds. And they had guys that were, at the time, like in the underground of the jazz scene. Jazz. And they had known that were, they were like, well, you know what happens is like sometimes that that one guy before he hit the joint he was just going but then he hit that one cigarette and he started going whoa and so it's like i think that we've got something here and then they finally he was like we should smoke it and they're like no 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 we need something more sciencey than that we're gonna turn it to liquid and then he kept being like we should be smoking smoking it yeah if it works at cafe wa it can work at the white house well, part of what you needed to do was to make it was to give it to a guy clandestinely. So mm-hmm. you couldn't just say like, "Here, smoke this joint, so we can get all the secrets out of you." Mm-mm. You got to get it to him in a way that he doesn't know he's getting it. So what they ended up doing mm. was injecting that tincture into cigarettes. 
Oh. Oh, yeah. And after smoking one of these laced cigarettes, the subject would, of course, get high. Then the interrogator would try to get the subject to spill the beans. <laughs> Ultimately, though, the truth drug proved inconsistent because while it sometimes stimulated a rush of talk, it made other people paranoid, <laughs> causing them to yes. clam up. Uh-huh. And they didn't say shit. One of the most... So oh the head God. of the CIA at the time, he actually would... Uh, it became the rumor of, like, never take a cigarette from the boss. That's not a rumor yeah. you want spread about you. <laughs> because he would have a pack of cigarettes laced with this shit. Because their whole thing is they would, like... Again, what we'll see, this is a common thread. They want to see these things in an operative scene. They wanted to see it in a place where like we wouldn't like use it on willing yeah. yeah. We wouldn't use it on willing normally in war, we wouldn't use this on willing people. We, they'd have to be we have to see its effectiveness when we do it on people who don't know that they're getting it. Mm-hmm. Um so he uh so they, they had to figure out a way to do it. And in 1943, there's this guy named George White that we're going to talk about next series of episodes. George White is up there with like the wackiest fucking JFK conspiracy characters you can possibly imagine. Like awesome. George White is like an American character. He's okay. a real fucking he's he's a scutch. This guy. Yeah. He's a real piece of work. Um but how he, does he dress? I'm seeing suspenders. He is old school 1940s goon. Nice. Like looking yes. like a goon, like gotcha. big head, big meat head. Yeah, bowling ball body. They said he looked like a bowling ball with a hat on. He has <laughs> seriously, he looked like Alex Jones. He's got like that. He's got yeah, a right. fat from whiskey body. And yeah. he went into a field test where he wanted to see the effectiveness of this shit. So what they decided to do is that he went undercover and talked with this mafioso, this guy named August Little Augie. Del Gracio, right? He was a drug dealing guy. He started getting deep into like the original heroin networks into New York City, mm. like his old school drug dealing. And yeah, he's like getting in with like Lucky Luciano and guys yes. like that. And so he gave him these cigarettes, right? And they started like hanging out and doing stuff. It turned into Del Gracio giving him a two hour monologue about the intricacies of drug dealing and drug networking and tell me like basically like, you won't even fucking believe where we hide it goes behind the potatoes and he's like man this <laughs> oh shit's my fucking God. wild dude, dude you don't fucking hear this shit dude it's go- we hide it in the fucking spaghetti you're spilling the beans dude those are beans you're <laughs> spilling the beans more like I'm, I'm sluicing the razzoni oh my god <laughs> so after the marijuana experiment Stanley Lovell, head of OSS Research and Development, proposed that there might be a way to use hypnosis Hmm. to program a German prisoner to hate the Gestapo. But they decided there was no reason to stop there. If you could program someone to hate, then you could program them to hate enough to kill. Oh, I thought you were going to say love. (laughs) No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. And if you directed that hatred in the right direction... You could use hypnosis to make that German kill Hitler. Kill Hitler! Wow. But, you know, they all, but I don't think that they understood is that it actually was really easy to motivate people to kill Hitler because seems he like, wasn't nice. Seems like a lot of people no. wanted and to kill Hitler. And he wasn't a nice boss and no. he wasn't a nice guy and he wasn't a funny guy. And no. it wasn't like when you hear stories about other people, you know, like, 
Stalin was actually very charming. Like, oh, this is bullshit. So it's being like, no, Hitler was weird. Uh, well, they say he was handsome. They say Stalin was handsome. Yeah. I don't know about charming. You know, it's that shit where you're like, no, nah, Hitler didn't have a personal magnetism. He was cool on stage. Um, but yeah, in yeah, person, you want to isolate that audio? No. Be, be, <laughs> that was the part that you liked very, about him? Well, I wasn't effective, in the audience. Let's say effective on stage. He was effective and many on people stage. used how effective, effective he was on stage yes. to get what they wanted. But he was uh, like a weird guy. <laughs> Yes, he was. You, you know what? He was a weird guy. Mm -hmm. He was a very weird, <laughs> uncomfortable man. He was mm -hmm. uncomfortable to be in the room well, with nowadays, Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, he would just be on the fucking Masked Singer. Along <laughs> oh, with Rudy Giuliani. Where oh my God, at? it's Hitler. It's Hitler. He's the big cupcake. It was Hitler. And would you believe Ken Jong walked off stage <gasps> for five minutes? That show he produced and booked? Wow, I can't believe. Well, how brave of him. Now, when the CIA was formed years after World War II ended, they started going through old OSS documents, and they found research on the truth drug project that was given marijuana, try to get people to tell the truth, and they saw the studies on hypnosis. And these two studies form the basis for the CIA mind control programs to come. What's this, uh, what's this paperwork that's rolled up like a huge, massive blunt? Why don't right we just unroll this? I'm... <laughs> Dude, we've been giving drugs out for a long time, huh? Well, now let me save these drugs. Now, concerning the creation of the CIA, the idea was born from the realization that the Russians were going <gasps> to be a problem after World War II. Mm. So, while Bill Donovan wrote a secret memo to FDR asking to transform the OSS into a central intelligence service. This idea, however, was leaked to J. Edgar Hoover. And J. Edgar Hoover put a kibosh on the whole idea. I'm going to buy every single pair of handcuffs and I'm going to keep in my basement. Oh, no one's no. ever going to be able to have handcuffs ever again. Oh. I'm the only cop that's allowed. It's not me. Are you just mad that you have to be J. Edgar Hoover because of that other person and he has your name and it wasn't you? Like I was John first. Yeah. I know. I'm sad. I'm sorry, buddy. But when FDR died and Harry Truman took over the presidency, mm. one of the biggest fucking tragedies in American history. <laughs> he was sick. Truman. <laughs> I think Truman. he's weak. I don't know. I don't like I don't like this Truman guy. I think he's too much of a pussy. There's no way he's going to do what we need him to do. And in another cut from Naked Gun, you should have seen how FDR died, just going down the steps of the stadium and then like, he hit the bottom and went out into the baseball field. And... Truman wanted no part of a secret, unaccountable agency. Mm. He had the OSS officially dissolved in 1945. But in 1947, Harry Truman had seen the scope of the Cold War to come, and he changed his mind. Well, especially, you know, there's a lot of dirty work that had to get done. There are a lot of things that had to be done secretly. Do dirty work. <laughs> no more. No more. But he understood, like Steely Dan did. <laughs> That you need somebody else to do it, yeah. right? And somebody I mean, else, and not me. I can't be me. Like I'm Harry yeah. Truman. Exactly. Who is Harry Truman going to intimidate? I don't, know. I don't know. But he's like, he didn't want to be connected to. So he realized, like, oh, we we need this spy agency. We need somebody who's going to be able to do all of this shit and and do fucked up shit in the name of the country. Well, yeah, and you need that layer of you know, you, you need that layer of plausible deniability. Exactly. You need that layer of like, I don't know what they're doing. Mm. These guys are out here doing their own oh, thing. Have, to do any of this shit. You need to have a Stefan to your Stevan Urkel. So did I mm -hmm. do that? And then it's like, no, that was Stefan. And Steve Urkel has not, no idea what Stefan is doing. No, Stefan. Even though they're the exact same entity. Steve, Stefan assaulted and murdered those 12 women. We don't. Not Stephen Urkel. We don't know. We just don't know. 
Well, against J. Edgar Hoover's protests, the White House approved the creation of a new organization born from the ashes of the OSS. They named it the <gasps> Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, and they packed it with former OSS operatives like Alan Dulles. Yay! Wow, this is so <laughs> crazy. Yes, and this is when America starts transitioning out of best intentions Heroes. into... Fucking evil. Fucking evil. And uh the and they didn't want Wild Bill. But Wild Bill got fucking cut out because Aww, Wild Bill wild. was a little bit too much for people. He would still go on to have like and pretend as if he was in charge of a bunch of uh, like intelligence services mm. and people would go in and out of his house. Same thing that would happen to Dulles after he was mm. like got kicked out by JFK, where it's like he would still be it's interesting how that has always happened. Where they like that that guys they were all still all running their op games mm -hmm. without anybody knowing and any mm -hmm. sort of connections and then basically paying for it on, on their own dime. Well I would assume yeah. also it's a competition, right? So the US government wants to make sure that they stay in their pocketbook on their payroll. So they basically pay them to do nothing. But they just it was like when I worked at Fox and there was a lot of producers and there was a producer war and they're like, we want this guy because he used to produce Frontline, but then Fox was like, we're going to buy him. And they gave him $20 million just sit in his uh, office all day. And do nothing. Until he was escorted out because he was fired and he, he, they escorted him out via uh, armed guard. But he was just an old man who literally just drank tea all day. It's kind of fun. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And I know America would, had done plenty of evil shit before 1947. Oh, yeah. I know that. Every I know country's that. Yeah, yeah. done genocide. some good stuff as well. Wait, there's some we stuff have. in there. It was just, a, there was a unique point in time when America was the distinct good guy and we did good things. And then we immediately spent that capital well, uh, I, on uh, becoming everybody else and destroying the world. May I do a small separation of the American government and the American people? The American people sure. somebody's wonderful Somebody's things. campaigning. Vaudeville <laughs> during this time was oh, fantastic. Oh, so yes. Honestly, there it always goes back arts, to vaudeville. The arts were fantastic. The American people were fantastic. We invented yes, jazz. The United States government <laughs> was up Barbecue? to no good. Barbecue. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, you, American people, for all of the wonderful Basketball. things. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. But by the time the OSS morphed into the CIA, a precedent for action had already been set. When the CIA was created, it was basically understood that they operated outside of government influence with an almost unlimited budget and very little, if any, accountability. Wow. I mean, they had their official budget, but we all know about black ops budgets. Exactly. You just put it, you just redact it, and then no one knows what you're spending money on. Man. It's awesome. Yeah. I do it to myself with booze. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I just redact whole purchases for myself. Uh -huh. There's things that my hands do that my mind can't know that I do. I'm about to go to downtown Hollywood and just start screaming about editing, auditing the Pentagon. This is going to really, this, this is going to ruin it. It's really <laughs> bad for the Where's the money? Where is the money going? The CIA also had the OSS's arrogance, carrying over their belief that if your cause is righteous, there's nothing you shouldn't do to win. And the belief that nobody knew how to win better than the CIA. And this egotism basically created MKUltra. Wow. Because it's not even that they completed the program. It's just the act that they did not, they had no, quote unquote, they had no scruples. About they what no they scruples. did. Yeah. And, yeah. There's and, some, and, and the corruption in that, no matter how, because I also don't get nationalism because you're just born whatever the fuck it is. You randomly come out of a pussy. It is, you don't choose where you're born. It's not that random. Uh, but it's pretty fucking random. <laughs> for me, for <laughs> us, for the person coming out of the pussy, it's random. Um, yeah. But it's like, you know, I don't get nationalism. And so this idea that you did it all for the love of country when the, the love of country is also this weird, like, 
It can't be perverted. Complicated. It's very complicated. And so that you do whatever yeah. it takes for the quote, quote, quote unquote America, whatever you're, you're hurting. So people. at this point, the creation of the CAA, we wonder why Cartman is a bad child on South Park. He was given everything with absolutely zero rules. <laughs> so the CIA had, had a budget that was whatever they wanted. They, and they had the Eric, no rules. They were the Eric Trump of government agencies. <laughs> I'm surprised they're not as I'm surprised they're as good as they are. Yeah. And they're pretty bad. <laughs> But before we get into how the CIA built a mind control program, we've got to talk about the outside sources that provided some of their more nefarious ideas. For that, we've got to backtrack just a bit to Operation Paperclip. We got the boogie, we got the boogie right here, we're gonna boogie, we're acting right here, it's a bunch of Nazis, we're gonna buy them right here, it's that paperclip. <laughs> now, as World War II ended in Germany, the U.S. forces marched into Munich, the birthplace of the Nazi party. They had two goals, suppress the black market and find as many high-ranking Nazis as possible. Once they rounded up enough high-ranking Nazis, the most famous Nazis were sent to Kranzberg Castle in Germany. Seriously, read. We're going to do a full-on deep dive into Operation yeah. Paperclip mm. at some point oh, because yeah. it's two episodes on its own. And it's the book Operation Paperclip by Annie Jacobson. This is a fucking, it's an action movie with Tarantino yeah. villains. Like cool. all of these guys are all like master villains that were a part of the architecture of the Nazi war machine. And so they also knew like they don't say anything. Everything's in code. They're a bunch of smarmy fucking greasy right. Gestapo fucks all, all hanging out in these like big old castles yeah like, the chumming around with everybody like it's funny that's uh, the, mm -hmm. the pretzel has no beginning and no end the pretzel is non <laughs> you know? the pretzel is nothing and everything all at once because technically a pretzel never does it never can i mean it's it's forever it's the infinity symbol yeah it's the infinity symbol thank you well, <laughs> well at this makeshift prison you had architect albert speer Automotive engineer Ferdinand Porsche, creator Porsche. of the VW Bug. It's Porsche. Wow. <laughs> and the directors of the IG Farben chemical cartel, the so-called devil's chemists, oh. who would manufacture the Zyklon B pellets used in the Holocaust. I was Whoa. reading about the interrogation of the head of IG Farben, and like it's just <sighs> so fucking miserable because he was like, We did our bastards. You can you can, it's amazing what we can do with science these days. And all of these this American officer, like a scene from a movie is yeah. knocking around his wall, right? He's knocking, being like, oh yeah, okay, that's interesting. Also, what else did you do to IG Farben? And then he hit the hollow point and then the man started crying and he was just like, oh, that must be bad. And he opened up the fucking, literally pulled a bookcase aside and there was a safe in there. They cracked open the safe and it was the building of the chemical plant at wow. Auschwitz. It was all of the oh. pictures. It was a photo album of all of the pictures of them like cutting the grand opening ribbon at Auschwitz oh and like, and, like throw, doing like a ticker tape parade while you see all of these like Jewish oh. like workers in the background building the, their own Zyklon B it's like factories. One of those things mm -hmm. that's hard to believe. Well, it's not hard to believe, sadly. Shit takes time to build. It took this it, stuff yeah. did not they happen did on it. accident. No. Oh no. man! But included in that motley crew were people of potentially great value to the powers that survived World War II. Amongst many others, you had rocket scientist Werner von Braun mm. and the Nazis' director of research into biological warfare, Doctor Kurt Blom. We'll take those two, please. God, those yeah. are, oh, we do. And about 700 others. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just no. grab those. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Ooh, can, 
I have a doggy bag for Nazis. It's a little doggy <laughs> bag. Put, some, put this in your purse. Okay. It's just, yeah, it's a rock. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, Von Braun will be covered much more extensively when we do a full series on Operation Paperclip. But Dr. Blom had several Nazi-funded laboratories devoted to bacteriology, pharmacology, and radiology. He had... It was seriously called the tumor farm. Well, well, you know what? And this is where I'm going to say, can I get off this cruise? I don't want to stop at the tumor farm. I don't want to be anywhere near the tumor farm. Uh, in America, the tumor farmers are the only farmers we pay. <laughs> we pay them to farm. It's called oh. um, cigarettes, the cigarette company. Oh, my goodness. A lot of tumors out there. And his laboratory complex, like, it was supposed to be given, like, kind of a medical name, but it was still, the name was still fucking terrified. They yeah, called dude. it the Central Cancer Institute. It's all horrible. What about, like, it just sounds <laughs> like, where, it sounds like where cancer goes to school. Exactly, where it gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and it comes out as leukemia. You go in as breast cancer, and you come out as prostate cancer, and you're just like, I think I can kill now. <laughs> Dr. Blom also developed aerosol delivery systems for nerve gas that got tested on inmates at Auschwitz. Yay. He bred infected mosquitoes and lice to be Ugh. tested on inmates at Dachau and Buchenwald. Oh my gosh. And he produced gas that was used to kill 35,000 tuberculosis patients in a concentration camp in Poland. But I understand, Marcus, it says right here, he was quoted as, as saying, I know nothing. <laughs> Very good. Not, I know nothing. Yes, from I believe that's laughing, which is a 1970s comedy show. It's it's uh, with with Gomer Pyle. Oh uh, yes, Hogan's Heroes. Heroes. Hogan's it's, Heroes. It's Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing. I know nothing. Yes, that is for our younger viewers out there. They're gonna love that they, one. I mean, it's for yeah. the boomers. That's what this is all. That's about. a boomer joke. That's good. Live from your this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. 
like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So in January of 1945, about five months before the Germans surrendered, Dr. Blom fled the tumor farm in advance of the invading allies. But somewhat like Mengele, what Blom really cared about was the work to the detriment of all else. He didn't really give a fuck about being a Nazi. No. He just cared about the science. What did he think he was doing? Helping the war effort? Learning but more then, about virology that no one else was brave enough to do. Okay. Yeah. It was just about knowledge. Yeah. You know, okay. It was just about Quote like, unquote. I'm going to find out. It was just like Mengele, where it's like, I'm going to find out the shit that no one else has had the balls to find out because no one else is willing to kill for science. Well, as such, 
Blom continued his research in another town in Germany until the Allies captured that one as well. He escaped to Munich, but was caught with the rest of the rat bastard Nazis when there was nowhere else to go. God, it and still you know feels good the, to say. It still feels good. Yeah. It to does. No, no, it's, it feels good to call na- Nazi, Nazis, Nazis, a bunch of rat oh, bastard dude, I just, Nazis. I just, <laughs> yeah. just finished Call of Duty, uh, Vanguard, and it was really fun to <sighs> hunt down some Nazis. Hell it's a great, yeah. uh, it's yeah. a great time. Always kill them. It's so yeah. much fun. Yeah, it's fun to yeah. do their bad people. Yeah, I you know? just got Inglorious Bastards on fucking Blu-ray. Oh, I can't Swiss. wait to watch it tonight. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck and yeah. you know, and Nazis, and you know, when the U.S., you know, when it's officially Allied territory, there's a Golden Corral. It magically, <laughs> we drop it. We <laughs> plant one. That's plant a part one. of the propaganda <laughs> engine because you can see, like, you're like, could a country be so bad if we create a buffet of this Real. style quality that 40 people will fight each other in a golden corral because they ran out of steak? Which actually happened. Yeah. Can you imagine coming from Ukraine, coming to America? This is why they say the sentence, I love America, because they see a golden corral for the first time. They don't realize 10 years later they're going to lose their feet. But, you know, <laughs> when you first came here, it's like, whoa. That's the ultimate yeah. American oh. deception. <laughs> Fuck the chocolate fountain (laughs) cut to them dying of diabetes it was worth it i didn't know i'd lose half my body to chocolate (laughs) now by the time the allies caught dr blom they already had documents proving he was an evil son of a bitch they were in possession of a letter addressed to blom from holocaust architect Heinrich Himmler, directing Blom to produce the toxins that killed all those tuberculosis patients. Now, Blom admitted that the letter was real, and uh-huh. he did admit to killing 35,000 people. He said, yes, I'm sorry, yes, it's, I did that. Oops, is he going to do a dot, 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 Yada, 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 Kurt Blom, he's just following orders, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, just following orders. He's got to do that all nice? this stuff with it. That's great. I love when people just follow orders. Now, one thing that became blindingly obvious to the Allies once they began sifting through Nazi research was that Nazis like Dr. Kurt Blom had accumulated a unique store of knowledge about the human body. Specifically, this knowledge was extremely valuable because it could only come from experiments in which humans were explicitly made to suffer and die. Unlike, say, the American Tuskegee experiments where suffering and death was more of a possible, if likely, consequence. Boo! 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 Double boos! Yeah. For example, the Nazis knew how long it took for human beings to die after exposure to various germs and chemicals, and they knew which toxins would kill most quickly and efficiently. But in the Dachau concentration camps, Nazis had also fed mescaline and other psychoactive drugs to prisoners, hoping to find ways to either control their minds or simply shatter the human psyche Altogether. But this shit was see, it hadn't, it, see, it hadn't occurred to Americans just Ugh. yet. Why don't we try psychoactive substances? They got that idea from the Nazis. Can you they imagine They looked at that? the paperwork, too, because they, 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 they were very Ugh. crude. The experiments that they did at the concentration camps were obviously very crude and very, like, like hitting things with a hammer. But the, the United States government looked at this, and as they started getting all of this intel about what the Nazi doctors were all up to, the idea of purchasing them was a slow roll. Like, it was mm-hmm. eventually they started to realize, like, oh, we might 
have to have right. quote unquote have to have these guys to do yeah. shit with. Well, this hear stuff. me out. We'll dress them up as Pokemon and we'll just collect them all. <laughs> It'll be great. I can't imagine the first person to walk into the offices that says, "Let's recruit the Nazis." Must have been like. Um, Earl? Oh, no, everyone was Why pissed. Why don't you just the, go? The guy who sent the first, I, there was a guy that did send the first telegram being like, we <laughs> might want to hire some of these guys. And the, the response back was not happy. No. 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 Slowly but surely. Well, as it turned out, Dr. Kurt Blom had been involved in many of the biological experiments, making him highly valuable to the U.S. military because the U.S. military had spent years believing that biological warfare was the future. Because oh. remember, not everyone knew about the Manhattan Project. Not yeah, everyone right. knew that we had nuclear weapons. Right. So, if and we also didn't know, and those who did know about the nuclear weapons, they didn't know if it was ever actually going to work out. Like, it was sort of a maybe, kind of, I don't know, let's see what this fucking Oppenheimer weirdo comes up with. Oh, it, was kind of, it was the ABC Warfare Atomic Biological Chemical, and they were to basically just run it on each one. Being like, all right, see what we mm -hmm. get first. Right, so yeah. they got they have the uh, the air covered and the land covered, and now they're going to mm -hmm. get our lungs covered, mm -hmm. perhaps. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we've been doing chemical warfare since uh, World War One, oh, mustard yeah. gas, and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Yep. See, even before World War II, it was discovered that Japanese scientists were producing biological weapons. And by the way, before y'all start screaming for Unit Seven Thirty One, it will be getting its own redo series in the future. Ben, are you excited about reliving Unit 731? I am a little bit not excited about it. We're making but I think sleeves. It will be fun. Making sleeves. Oh, God. At that movie, what is it? Beyond behind the, the Sun. Man Behind the Sun. No. It still traumatizes me. That will be a grotesque series, but an important series when it comes to human history. Let's not repeat it. Mm -hmm. So after Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, FDR created the War Research Service, our first agency dedicated to biological warfare. To head the agency, FDR tapped George Merck, CEO of what is now one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. God, Again, not helping with the conspiracy. I'm getting hot. I'm sweating. No, it's not. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to end up at a bus stop. Follow the money. I'm just going to end up, I'm gonna end, I'm gonna end up in fucking the, the Port money. Authority with a fucking bike helmet with the top cut off, screaming at people <laughs> in not, front of the Annie's pretzels. It's not a conspiracy if it's true. Now, the task that put this agency on the map came when British Prime Minister Winston Churchill received intelligence reports that Hitler was planning a biological attack on England. Tragically, that report was later proven false, which means that this program, which caused a domino effect with a thousand other serious consequences, have been started for no real reason whatsoever. Well, he planted mm. the German government, from what I read, they planted that rumor themselves, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, Hitler was chasing after the Wunderwaffens, the wonder weapons for a long time, which was really like at, the, at that point, the V2, all these various rocketry things that they used to blow us up harder than everybody else. But they were technically on the verge of creating a massive chemical poison called Tuban, which is like T-U-B-A-N, that they were going to use to fucking, because again, Guess the final idea that what the Nazis were going to do was that at the very end of the war, it was floated that the, to Hitler, let's just kill everybody. Let's literally yeah. just do a massive suicide bomb with the chemical weapon on all of Europe and kill as many people as we can. Well, now, wouldn't so, that also kill us? Exactly. When they wanted to commit, I mean, look, they all committed suicide. Right. And they wanted it. So they, they did work. There was a, it was a gleam in Hitler's eye. Did any but it wasn't yeah, there. Think. Did any of these experiments, did anything accidentally turn out right? Like, is this how Nutella was created by any chance? 
or was was all of this just a net uh, negative for you? Uh, Why did yeah uh, we got. We went to the moon. We okay. We went, we to, went the to the moon. We did. And that, that was exactly and was it. No, we, we did. Got that we did. picture. The, we got that the, picture from the moon. That was cool. Yeah. If yeah. We one, did. one of the one of the greatest accomplishments in human history. Yeah. It was. It, we it came the, from Nazi technology. It was the. They came from Werner von Braun's V two rocket scientist technology. That's how America got to the moon. We went all the way to the moon, though. And we came right back. <laughs> and we came back, and we, but we had that. We landed on the moon. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm not sure if it was worth it for that trip, but uh, we'll see. Okay. Now, since the UK didn't have the facilities or the budget to build up a store of pathogens as retaliation for a possible German bio attack, Churchill asked FDR for a little help. In turn, FDR asked his top bacteriologists if it was possible to produce deadly germs on an industrial level. Using one big bomb. What if we just make a big? big. Oh God! <laughs> make one big one. I love this conversation the president's having. Oh this yes, is so comforting. These yeah. are the these are the conversations that that he that they have. I know. They sit and they talk mm-hmm. about this. We're like, what if we made just one big bomb? And then Grandpa <laughs> Joe is like, what if we make a shape like a Werther's? Let me be clear. It's oh. all about sharing a moment between a grandfather and his grandson. <laughs> Corn pop. <laughs> Now, like most scientists of this time, they didn't have a moral problem infecting an entire population with a deadly disease. They did, however, have a practical one. Most said that it was impossible to build a hermetically sealed container on that scale. Mm. But one bacteriologist dissented, saying that this was merely a problem of scale that could be solved. That bacteriologist was Ira Baldwin, who would later serve as a mentor for the eventual architect of MKUltra. Now, Baldwin was an interesting figure, simultaneously existing as both America's first biological warrior and as a committed Quaker who abhorred violence. Why are the all of these guys at stories that they all are like this? Like Wild Bill was like a fucking gardener. Sidney Gottlieb, the same thing. Like they lead these like little like provincial, like cute, like normal lives where they pre- they want the silence of the country. Right. Meanwhile, like they do the the both like si- bio- bacterial warfare, which is probably the bio warfare is the Ugh. most nefarious thing to come out of the human mind. Absolutely. Since since the beginnings of it, since we started fucking like, the first throwing disease bodies. Yeah. over the wall to yeah, poison a bunch say, of people. It's how the Black Plague started with Seriously. fucking biological war. It was a fucking bad idea to begin with and then also the idea of just the psychic rape of a generation of people. Like, it, I don't know how they can put the two together. Mm-hmm. Baldwin later said that it never occurred to him to say that he didn't want to produce biological weapons because everyone was pitching in on the war effort however they could. All he needed to do was think his way through the problem. Eventually, he decided that even though killing people is immoral, he had, on the other hand, spent his time in medical bacteriology killing microorganisms that kill humans to stop those microorganisms from killing humans. There you go. Therefore, using bacteria to kill other humans so those humans stop killing other humans, it was no different. What? It makes all the sense in the world if you're completely and utterly deranged and attempting to rationalize your creation of a biological weapon that theoretically is going to end the war, but we all know will just increase it and cause mass human suffering. But you talk about how scientists did their parts. There was also a T-shirt maker, and he invented the term Hitler more like Schittler. And he put that on a shirt. <laughs> I wish. He put that on a shirt, so and it went, it went viral. It went shirt viral. 
in the uh, 1950s and 60s, 40s. Yeah. Well, actually, Ben, I mean, you, you bring up a good point Ooh. later on. Like later on, uh, Baldwin, Ira Baldwin actually say he's like, yeah, I know it's horrifying. It I know mistake. it's fucking. He's like, <laughs> that he's like I know that. Tra- I kn- Ooh. Yeah. He's like Ooh. looking back on it. Like, I know it was horrifying for me to make that justification. Yeah. That's the difference between being a scientist and a comedian, because I am sorry that I got too drunk on stage five years ago in Minneapolis. And it still comes up uh, like it's you're haunted but by that's it. really different though because yes. i'm not that haunted by it you know i'm yeah. not haunted like oh i killed a whole generation of people <laughs> unless you mean kill on that mic and, yeah. and yeah we have killed oh, we've millions killed, yeah, of we people. murdered on it we just murdered that show i actually don't like that terminology for it no so after baldwin was given the uk biological <laughs> weapons gig he became the scientific director of the army Biological Warfare Laboratories and built a new facility just 50 miles outside of Washington, D.C. at a former National Guard base called Dietrich Field. It was soon renamed Camp Dietrich. Cute! From the beginning. Yeah. 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 And from the beginning. Actually, they could see Camp David from Camp Dietrich. Oh! I wouldn't tell the David people because all the germs are over there. Okay. Do you think they they should ever do Ernest Saves Camp Dietrich? If he was still around yeah. to do it, Ernest Vern has can't talk. Vern's perfect for the clandestine, yeah. like the the, 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 the clandestine intelligence agencies. <laughs> well, the installation was shrouded in the deepest secrecy because military commanders thought it, thought that if news of research into germ warfare leaked out, Americans would panic at the possibility of a biological attack. It's not the worst logic. Americans can be quite skittish. Yeah, buddy. What are you even? What are you even validating that idea for? Yeah, I think I'm you know, skittish. I, I I'm a think, bit skittish about bio warfare. Yeah, yeah, I feel like everyone has a different reaction, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Some are more skittish than others, <laughs> and everyone just handles everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. With total yeah. calm. 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 calm, 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 calm. And so the first rule of Camp Dietrich was: don't talk about Camp Dietrich. And all of them were forced to sign a vow of secrecy. They didn't even have autonomy over their own dead bodies. If they died while they were working at Camp Dietrich, they had to immediately be sealed in an airtight coffin. And the only people allowed to do autopsies on Camp Dietrich scientists were other Camp Dietrich scientists. At some point, don't you just sit down and say, what is, let's just say we accomplish everything. What's the best case scenario? It's the ultimate (laughs) fan Patreon. You know what I mean? That's the ultimate, like you're just signing me like my body belongs. Belongs to my brother, my brother, and me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Great. I don't but know. But these guys, they fucking loved the work they were doing. They loved being at Camp Dietrich. They adored it. Because, I mean, really for them, the end game, best case scenario, they just get to work on science for the rest of their lives. And that's yeah, but, it. They get to accumulate knowledge. They get to they figure shit out. It. That's why oh, they got to the game in the it. first place. They it's loved like, it, man. They got the fucking, they had the snack bar. They had foosball sure. tables. You know they had those like you know those spinny with like the tables the chairs look like tops yes. and then you roll around yeah. it and everyone's like oh that's amazing but it's like if you were actually sitting in one of those chairs or using the foosball table like one of your bosses would eventually come by and be like what are we doing here Greg yeah what are we doing here yeah. it's there but it's like yeah. not there why you know? are you why are yeah, you using it? absolutely yeah. but if it just feels like. I mentioned this in uh, I mentioned this on top of this week when it comes to uh, having more military troops go abroad, Romania and things like that. And the the old uh, adage of theater where if you show the gun in the first act, you better use it by the third. It just seems like they're creating the gun to then show. And by definition, they're going to have to use it. Otherwise, what are they doing? Millions of dollars are wasted. 
Well, that's the whole thing about yeah, the whole joke in Doctor Strange Love about the Doomsday Machine. Like, what? Well, like, what is the point of having it if nobody knows you have it? Yeah, exactly. You know, the prime minister, and, 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 and as you know, the premier loves surprises. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best. Kubrick is the best. I'm starting to think Stanley Kubrick is a good director. Yeah, or my, oh, maybe yeah. he yeah, knew yeah. shit that uh, we didn't know that he knew. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, but that would be a fun episode. The moon landing. I'm not he saying he not faked, faked the moon, the moon landing. <laughs> I'm just saying he was he catered it. He was there. <laughs> well, these Craft guys, services. like the guys at the guys at Camp Dietrich, like they fucking loved being there. But they were also like they knew they had to be secret about it. But they also had fun with it. Or like yeah. they'd have parties, and a guy would be like, "Wow, there's a whole lot of fucking bacteriologists here. That's crazy. Where so are all is these bacteriologists? Is this where all the uh, germs with dicks hang out? And you do that <laughs> at the bathroom? Just one dude had a yeah. super tight ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They even had their own school cheer. Henry, if you would please. Brucelliosis, fasciticosis, P U BA, antibodies, antitoxin. Ra, ra, ra. I'm just so fucking pissed off that these people killed everyone. <laughs> they, they got close. <laughs> these nerds did it. Yeah. Well, over the next two and a half years, Baldwin and hundreds of scientists under his command engaged in over 200 projects, including breeding mosquitoes infected with yellow fever and developing a pigeon bomb. A pigeon what the bomb fuck is a was pigeon a, bomb? <laughs> a pigeon bomb was a pigeon whose feathers had been infected with toxic spores. So when the pigeon flies around, you just kind of toss the pigeon out. It fucking spreads, spreads all these everywhere. toxic spores across the city. Oh People get sick. God. However, as scientists were solving the project that started it all, remember it all started with Churchill saying, I want a big germ bomb. Churchill abruptly changed the order from one big germ bomb uh-huh. to half a million bomblets filmed with anthrax spores. So they that's literally, like, that's oh like when I get the nuggets at Chick-fil-A. When I'm yeah. using the move, like, I don't really want the big old sandwich. Yeah. I just want the little nuggets. Yeah. So it literally yeah. is the joke. Would you rather have, would you rather fight one big germ bomb or a thousand? <laughs> Tiny ones. How yeah, fun. tiny ones. Well, he thought that, well, he kind of gotten that intelligence that Henry had said earlier about, you know, the Germans might try one last crazy fucking attack. Because at that point, they're like, we're going to beat the Germans. We've got them on the run. It's going to happen yeah. eventually. But everyone was worried. It's like, what are they going to do on the way out? Are they going to try to blow up the whole fucking mess? Well, they were technically, they were burning everything down and bur- burning all the documents and destroying everything that they could. And technically, there was oh, yeah. a mass order for Berlin to be leveled by their own forces. Waning but we power. already got there. In moments of waning power moments of waning power are the most dangerous by far yeah wait till we're at the very end of our podcast and what happens (laughs) (laughs) Eh, nothing We'll have a party. We'll go to sleep. Yeah, we'll cake. Sleep. Ooh, that would be sleep. fun. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say. I'll probably just, I'll just play more bass. That's pretty much all that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, nice. I'll develop my hot sauce line. Ooh, can't wait. <laughs> no, yeah, Dragon Blood's Elixir. That's my favorite hot sauce. Ooh, around. I like for whom that. the bell to- For whom the bell tolls, best hot sauce bar none. It's my favorite hot sauce. Really? Thank you, Dragon's Blood Elixir. Ooh, okay. For whom the bell tolls, it's fantastic. You Sweet. can, well, check out Zabrowski's Bleeding Asshole. So, secret Aardvark. No, I would <laughs> name it Dog Meets Bleeding Asshole. It'll be after you. Oh, it'll be nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, the scientists were well on their way to filling this order. But in May of 1945, the Nazis surrendered and the anthrax order was canceled. Oh now, the scientists at Camp Dietrich had learned quite a bit about how to kill large numbers of people with germs, but they were still limited by the fact that they couldn't actually kill a human being in the service of scientific uh, research. Uh, everybody's all like, <laughs> what a hassle, that's a huh? war crime. Mondays. Uh, you yeah. should go to the Hague. Right. You should be yeah. hung for treason. You feel so bad for you, yeah. Yeah. 
The Germans, however, had operated under no such restrictions. The Americans had known for a while that their Axis counterparts had been working on similar projects without any sort of moral boundaries. So when they heard that Allied forces had captured the infamous Nazi, Dr. Kurt Blom, they damn near pissed themselves with excitement. Oh my God, yay! I'm so, yay! Oh, so excited. I'm so mad at you guys. <laughs> oh man, we stand, Dr. You, Kurt yeah, Blom. you stand him? <laughs> oh. The only question was how they were going to get Dr. Blom and Dr. Blom's knowledge. Now, put simply, the aforementioned Operation Paperclip was a program in which captured Nazi scientists would be brought to the United States to apply their knowledge to American projects. Partly, Mm. this was done to keep these Nazis out of Soviet hands, although the Soviets did end up getting away with quite a few Nazis. But we got the good ones. Well, there's, I mean, really, USA, yeah, I mean, the Soviet space program was full of just as many Nazis as we had. We did, but however, we did get the smarter Nazis. Werner von Braun was the fucking, he was the rock star of the rock stars. Stalin got the dogs, though. Yeah, yeah. Got Stalin the, got the dogs. In, in the divorce that was the fallout of World War II, <laughs> they got he, the dogs. He, gets it, he got the dogs. But the story of them looking for the the hidden crates of Werner von Braun's V2 documents, his like hidden documents, is fantastic. It should wow. be its own movie. Yeah. Well, most, I mean, we did this partly to keep them out of the hands of the Soviets, but mostly we did this because the Nazis had put all of their chips into science at any cost, and they had knowledge that we could only dream of. Most famously, we brought over rocket scientist Werner von Braun, whose knowledge about rocket propulsion, built on the backs of enslaved Jewish prisoners, eventually landed America on the moon. The V-2 program was built underneath a mountain. It was like Mordor, and they were not allowed, Mm. the the, uh, slaves that were brought from the the concentration camps, they were not allowed to have digging tools because they thought that they would rise up against the SS people. So they literally had to dig caverns in the mountains with their hands. Oh my God. And they would kill, they would just, they just threw bodies at it. So more and more people would die building these things. But the thing is that when you have a group of emaciated, um, basically dying people build your entire rocketry system these rockets sort of falling apart they, they used to mm-hmm. blow up on the landing pads they used to blow up before they were supposed to do because their heart really wasn't in the work yeah i yeah. Would think it sounds horrible well to demonstrate just how hard we ingrade these nazis into our society Werner von braun was even featured on an episode of a disney television show in 1955 called disneyland mm-hmm. to explain rocket propulsion yeah. oh how fun for the kids that must have been <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that presentation, by the way, still available on Disney fucking Plus. You can go, go oh, wave to him. great. Good. Go say hi. <laughs> I would I'm love so to have happy seen. that they still have it on Disney Plus. I would love to have seen Werner Von Braun in Disney and be forced like my parents did with Mickey. Like, go tell Werner Von Braun you love him. Yep. Go and tell him is- you love him. Go get his <laughs> autograph, please. This is another reminder when Disney, I don't know, tells us that people like James Gunn, who's just an artistic man trying to do the best he can, Suicide Squad, the new movie is fantastic. But when they say James Gunn's a bad person, don't forget Disney, not exactly pure. Yeah. Well, no. Bush Gardens didn't buy any Nazis. They didn't buy one Nazi at Bush Gardens. <laughs> not one Nazi. But once we started bringing over rocket scientists, the rest of the commander started getting jealous. So they proposed opening the pipeline to the physicians, chemists, and biologists who had conducted experiments at the concentration camps. And like Ira Baldwin, the officers running Operation Paperclip figured there wasn't much of a difference between the people killed by the V-2 rockets built by Werner von Braun 
and the people killed by the gas used by Dr. Blom. If anything, Von Braun's projects had probably killed more people. Jeez. So, as a result, Operation Paperclip got to work whitewashing the biographies of all these scientists. References to membership in the SS, collaboration with the Gestapo, abuse of slave laborers, or experiments on human subjects were expunged. Like it never even happened. Like, bye, bye, delete, delete. And you know what would have really helped them if they had some way to give them amnesia? That really would have helped them get over the mm-hmm. burden over their their histories. Because think about how much think of how oh, much pressure Werner the Nazi was suffering. Yes, yeah, like how course. much pressure he was under. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what it's like to kill tons and tons of people. It's hard for me. Oh, what it's about hard for me. me? Yeah. yeah. Then they doctored the applications, recategorizing scientists who had been rated by interrogators as quote ardent Nazis to quote. Not ardent Nazi. Let me just put a little not in <laughs> they there. Just not, the they just did the 1980s t-shirt. They would say, <laughs> what they would do is be like, this is uh, Dr. Von Braun. He's an ardent Nazi. Not. <laughs> I can't. I'm done. All right. Finally, they padded the bios of the scientists to make them sound like loving family men. And the paperclip contracts were signed. Did you hear the soul of America died? Did you go, Overall, more than 700 Nazis would enter the United States with clean slates, no matter what they'd done. And after Dr. Blom somehow skated his way through the Nuremberg trials, we brought him over as well. He was one of the few guys to be found not guilty at Nuremberg. Also, this whole time, Wild Bill is trying to get Goring off. Goring is on the, he's in the Nuremberg trials, and they were trying to get him. They thought, like, maybe, he's like, we'll get Goring to flip and have him rat out the other Nazis. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm Wild Bill, all right? Sometimes (laughs) I'm too wild even for Bill. Well, now, Wild Bill was doing the do too much. For my research for next week's episode, I will be watching Dana Carvey's Clean Slate. Because okay. isn't that a wonderful example of what MK Ultra can do? Now, almost immediately after the Nazis got wiped up like so much fucking diarrhea, yep. the Soviet <laughs> Union replaced <laughs> so much diarrhea. <laughs> the Soviet Union replaced the Germans and the Japanese as America's next big bad. Hatred for communists had been building for decades, and citizens were soon convinced that communism was a demonic force that morally threatened the existence of the United States and therefore all of humanity. And since the stakes were set so high by both the government and the citizenry, that created kind of a feedback loop. The government says that it's really bad. The citizens go even further and so on and so forth. Sure. So no sacrifice of money, morality or human life could be considered excessive, which was the perfect environment for the newly created CIA. It set the scene Oof. and the temperament for how they would work without the first for the first 15, right. the first 15 years of the CIA. Arguably their most like destructive. I mean, God, you think now, so? I mean, who knows what they do now? It's hard like to, to tell, now, it's like right? even we're going to cover more later on in the series about like modern things that the CIA are up yeah. to. But it is it. This time period was nah. I was just choice for it. Yeah, well, this is when they're a, they're they're a newborn baby mm-hmm. with a gun, with a massive gun, <laughs> and a lot of money and a lot of power, and it seems as if. Uh, political will is on their side at this, this point. Is the, real, the American people are going to like do whatever you got to do. This so. is the real story yes. of Boss Baby. Oh, this is Boss <laughs> Baby. Yes. I, <laughs> I fucking... The original Boss Baby. 
Now, by 1949, the CIA had been on the job for a couple of years, hiring Corsican gangsters to break communist-led strikes in Italy while they sent saboteurs, spies, and commando squads throughout the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. They were really into supporting insurgencies. That is where it really yeah. started. And the OSS was mm. doing that as well. And that's how it started, was the idea of you get grassroots campaigns against right. these non-friendly American governments and try to flip them. You wait. We're going to mm. have a guerrilla war on our hands here in a second. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I can't believe they're going to let those monkeys fight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cute. It's fun. You made almost a Ben. You made a Ben there. Yep. It's cute. That's pretty good. It's rubbing off. You took something super horrific and tried to make it cute. But in 1949, a prelate (laughs) of the Roman Catholic Church named Cardinal Josef Mendzinti appeared on a televised show trial in the Soviet-controlled country of Hungary. There, the cardinal confessed to attempting to overthrow the government and seeking to steal the royal Hungarian crown as a part of a plot to reestablish the long-dead Austro-Hungarian Empire. Now, the cardinal obviously hadn't done anything so outlandish, but because he confessed, he was sentenced to life in prison. This was basically a Soviet psyop. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, while the world leaders were outraged at the cardinal's sentence, senior officers at the CIA had an entirely different reaction. Instead of focusing on the outcome of the trial, they focused on the behavior of the cardinal during the trial. They observed that the cardinal appeared disoriented. He spoke in a flat monotone, and he confessed to crimes that he obviously had not and could not have committed. And he seems to just like to collect little twigs and uh, make a little home out of it. And uh, Oh, you're lo- saying that he's a cardinal like a bird. a bird. Thank you for, the, honestly, that's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can see him on the witness stand making this little nest. We, we all can. That's what it, yeah. and it was yeah. weird. Because that's why he's there. Yeah. Now, the cardinal had been coerced into confessing with nothing more special than ill treatment, extended isolation, Mm. beatings, and repetitive interrogation. And you're also just forced. Your hand is, you're just forced to say these lies, and you know it's lies, and the audience knows it's lies, but we all have to agree, which is why the Soviets at that point, they were, it was a bad environment, because they all had to live in this fantasy world of, of, of a government's construction. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not buying into that whole uh, like that modern bullshit where like Soviet Russia is cute and cuddly and fun. They're like, not Soviet Russia no. was a fucking awful place. Yeah, it was modern, modern bullshit did that says awful. that. I don't it was not that. good. Yeah, no, it was horrible. Yeah. But the CIA could not accept that a man could be made to confess to something so huge using standard torture techniques, even though that's exactly mm. what happened. The CIA became convinced that the Soviets had developed drugs or mind control techniques to say things that they did not believe. He's a Catholic priest. He lies for a living. (laughs) What are we talking about? There's no way he could flip a Catholic. What started as speculation around the CIA offices soon became fact despite a complete lack of evidence that the Soviets were doing anything like this. Most likely, I kind of got a feeling that they had read the the fucking OSS files about the truth serum and about using hypnosis. I got a feeling they read that shit about a week before. And then when they saw the Cardinal, she was like, oh, fuck, that's what they're doing. And then before you know it, fucking, you know, it just becomes MKUltra. That's Mm -hmm. how humans work. Yeah. And as it just so happened... The former biology boys over at Camp Dietrich, they needed a new project. Oh. Project! Yay! Arts and Crafts Day! (laughs) See, after World War II, military planners had concluded that since we had nuclear weapons, there was no need to develop biological weapons. 
So, the scientists at Camp Dietrich had temporarily been out of a job. But after the trial of the cardinal in Hungary, the scientists at Camp Dietrich had their mission changed from biological to chemical. And in 1949, the CIA formed the Special Operations Division and began conducting research into ways that chemicals could be used as weapons of covert action. And that is where we will pick back up next time for part two of our series on MKUltra for the introduction of a chemical called lysergic acid diethylamide, a.k.a. LSD. LSD! Oh, man, it We're doesn't. On LSD. I don't know. Even only the U.S. <laughs> government and the CIA could ruin something as wonderful as LSD. Well, the thing is, is that no. it started. Bad. If it wasn't for them, we would never have it. Oh, thank they you. Never mind. <laughs> they that. They, they created it. They created the counterculture. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get. Yeah, we'll get into it later. But yes, it's the creation of LSD and the counterculture by the CIA is possibly one of the most ironic chapters of human history. But we'll get into that a few episodes from now. Guys, oh, can't wait. This twisty road Ugh. just started, and just like Cheryl Crow said. Every day is a fucking winding road. Winding road. We get day. a little bit closer. And they, so we're going to get to, to the what? end of this series. And by the end of this series, we hope to be worse people uh, yeah. and, and more more uh, unpredictable as a person in the things <laughs> that like it's just it's going to shred our brains a little bit because we're really mm-hmm. getting into it because we did th- immediately up top say there's not there's not a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. And it's like all of these things pop up. We're like Merck is there and all these other guys are there. And you're like, well, <laughs> I don't really know what to do here. But we're seeing here is that the crimes of the CIA would commit against humanity would create the platform for modern conspiracy theory and why we are here today because it yes. creates a place of reality mm. for more and more ludicrous things to be put on top of it. Absolutely. And it's hard to say the CIA doesn't do this shit when they've already been doing done doing this shit. Absolutely. And of course they love yeah. conspiracy and the propagation of conspiracy because that creates the it helps a them. gray fog that they can navigate in. So be very careful. So to our listeners of the CIA Honestly, send us a certificate. Send us something. I want more send of those like, little paws. Yeah. Send us yeah. something. Come on. Yeah. Come yeah. on. We're here. We're yeah. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing just created like a big feedback loop where it's like we started doing evil shit. But since we believe that we're the good guys and they're the bad guys, we start thinking like if we're doing this shit, imagine what they're, what they're doing. doing. Right. Yeah. And and so we start upping the ante because they think that they're that they're up in the we think that they're up in the ante and they're doing the same exact fucking thing without yeah. any real goddamn reason. Paranoia is the biggest poison in the human brain and in human society. Absolutely. Nothing more powerful than an empty briefcase. Yeah. What's in the box? Mm. Oh, it's his dick. Could be. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I again, remember that. I remember that. Thank you guys I remember that. for listening to our bullshit. Yes, thank you all so much for listening. Um, we got uh, Z2, We our yes. comic book. Last comic book on the left is coming out in the spring. You want to pre-order it. You want to go over to Z2. Uh, pre-order that comic book. It is not shipping for another month or two. Uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but uh, we are working on that. Yes. Uh, we got mm-hmm. issue five? five of Soul Plumber. Five. Yeah, very coming out soon. in a couple of weeks. Yes, yeah. very soon. But again, pick up issue four. We're doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very excited. Not a CIA agent, am I? Okay, well, just kind of a random thing there. We want <laughs> um, to thank everyone who came out to our shows in D.C. and Richmond and Philadelphia. We had a strange thing occurred. The power went out. And we can't wait to be back inside you in June. June 3rd. Um, and you know what? It was kind of weird to share that moment with uh, with all of them. And I hope I hope everyone can, uh, can make it back because uh, sorry about that. That was 
un, un, out of our control. Also, I want to give a mm -hmm. big up to the Garrison Brothers boys over the bourbon people because they fucking gave me oh, another yeah. big old bottle of bourbon. I just want to say, dude. fuck, thank you so much. It's so it's fucking good. tasty. I fucking love it so fucking much. It means so thank much you. to me. That's a mind control. That's a mind control I'll take liquor. It. I'll take it. Yes, indeed. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. And again, we are now wide. We are on every platform. We are so happy to be uh, back on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on. And uh, yeah, and thank you all so much for your support. And you guys made the transition um, just smooth as ever. And you guys have just been wonderful. So thank you for that. Thank and, you. Yeah, Thanks to our team. Big ups, LPN team. Absolutely. Crushing it out there. They, thank you so much. They did such a wonderful job. We're so hashtag blessed uh, to have them. So all right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Magustalations. Hey, man. Hey, bro. No, it's cool. Like, I'm not fucking. It's not an op, bro. No, it's this not is an op. Your op, entire bro. existence is, is not it? an op. No, it's not you, an op. I am beginning, Marcus. I'm starting to think it's an op. No, because I would I, mean, I say it so much. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, know. the only person that you truly know is not a CIA operative in your life is yourself. And even then, do you? Do you? I actually <laughs> think it's probably Holden McNeely. Oh, fuck. I have to kill him tonight. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, finally, the excuse you've been looking for. Yes. Yeah, there you go. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.